When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast. My name is Matt Hudson from What I Watch Tonight, and joining me once more, and as ever, is the statesman to my kingsman. Hey, it's me, John Burke from BurkeReviews.com. How's it going, Matt? It's going very, very well. Uh, I, I've almost lived in a cinema this month because it's such a stacked month, but I'm never, ever going to um, complain about that. But stateside, how, how is it? How are things? Things are going pretty well. It's like, like you said, it has been a really active movie uh, month. Um, I think I've seen more this month than all summer, <laughs> and uh, I, I'm hoping to squeeze in a couple of more um, before the end of the weekend. But uh, yeah, I've been, yeah, I've been staying busy getting ready to go back to work here in a couple of weeks. Um, new school year, and I'll be teaching a college course as well. So I'm like nice. busy. You know, it's a busy, busy time. So with the new school year, does that mean you get a new batch of students, or is it a continuation of, of the last year? Uh, both. I get, um, you know, I'll have freshmen, uh, and first year, like, my program's broken into four years, so it's not always freshmen that will be in my first year program, but it's usually, you know, about 50 to 60% freshmen, and then people who are just looking for an elective or whatever who haven't been in my program beforehand. Um, and then I, my later classes uh, get smaller, because the kids that really, you know... I'll have like two of the first year classes and it'll be probably like 60 kids total. Um, but by the time they get to like year four, it's like 10, 12 kids usually. Mm -hmm. Um, the ones who are really like committed to the, the work and really have become film nerds themselves. Um, the John books of this world. Yes, exactly. Uh, and then, uh, you know, um, there's been, do you have movie pass over there? No, we have unlimited cards. I think I mentioned before we pay about, Eight, about twenty dollars, and you can just watch as much as you want all month for twenty mm. for twenty bucks. Well, so Movie Pass, I've been a member of Movie Pass for just over two years. Um, like, I, well, I guess two and a half years. I started it uh, in twenty sixteen. I I think I joined like in March, um, when it was still like thirty bucks a month, and you could see unlimited movies, but only one a day, and you couldn't rewatch anything. And I, I was seeing at least four movies, so I was still saving about four to five bucks a month just by having movie pass and sometimes i would save more like i think that november i saw like 10 movies <laughs> and so like i really saved some money and then when it became 10 bucks everyone in america basically seems to have joined at this point but this company has gotten shiftier and shadier and last night um which might contribute to why my theater was kind of empty we were talking off mic about um uh fallout not being sold out but last night the the app shut down completely because the company ran out of money. What? Yeah, now they've managed to get funded, and they are back up and running right now, but 
um, they've been a shady business practice for a while because it works like a credit card. So, like, I swipe the card and the movie theater gets the full price for the ticket and then MoviePass pays the bill for me. So, they're losing money anytime anybody sees more than one movie a month, basically. <laughs> Which is probably everybody who has one of the cards. Yeah, and that's what, when they first started the 10 bucks. they, they removed the... Um, limitation on only a movie once like you could see the same movie every day uh so you could only go once a day but you could see the same movie 30 times if you wanted to and i had a student who saw the greatest showman 11 times in the theater so some people were taking advantage of that opportunity i mean we live in a small town there's not a whole lot else to do but if you can go to the movie for free especially in the heat of you know dead summer like why not go to an air-conditioned theater and watch a movie for a couple hours you know and uh so yeah they're they're struggling to survive it's the talk of like most movie podcasts and um amc theaters which i assume is a chain there too or is that is that it's not over here no but i'm oh, okay. aware of, i've been to the amc before in the states uh well they've started their own like like kind of like what you were saying like an unlimited club kind of thing but it's not unlimited but it's uh 20 bucks a month and you get you can see three movies a week, but you can see any movie, including their IMAX and stuff, because that's Movie Pass is two D only, and no special like feature stuff. Like it's yeah. just straight two D. Uh, the the AMC A list is what they're calling it. You get to see any movie. You can go uh, three in a day if you want to, but you get three movies a week. Um, plus, you get their like membership that gives you like discounts to popcorn and stuff like that, um, because it's there. It's in house, so the downside. I don't live near an AMC theater. That's that would make it worth my while, but. Um, I'm I'm starting to worry. Movie Pass is no longer going to be a thing uh, by the end of the the year, the way it's going. I obviously don't live in the states, but like you say, just from various YouTube channels, podcasts, or just going on top social media, I've heard all about Movie Pass. I know everything there is to know in terms of the shakiness of it. And how does a company just run out of money and then very quickly find some more? Obviously, yeah. I mean that's yes, you can go to the bank and ask for some money, but you know the business model there is an absolute. Tr- I don't know what wh- whoever's in charge of that, whether they actually did business management in college or high school. <laughs> maybe they need to go back and do it because that's a badly run uh, operation yeah. there. But yeah, I mean it's it uh, on paper it's a good deal. But yeah, you're only as good as the people who are running the show. Well, and they've they've been adding new features like the surge pricing, which has been a big news thing. Um, I'm on like an anti. I, I still am using MoviePass, mind you, but. I don't like their surge pricing, and I'm using quote fingers because surge mm. pricing, and even in their description, implies uh, like a, a screening of a new movie that's getting like a lot of people are trying to get tickets. They'll increase the price. So well, you've paid your ten bucks for the month, but now for this particular screening of this movie, it could be anywhere from two to six dollars that they charge you to go see this movie. That's ridiculous. Yes, and what makes it more ridiculous is it's not surge. It happens at like before the ticket sales that was even started. Like this morning, um, one a uh, friend of the podcast, uh, Big Tuna, looked on the app, and all the screen times at our local theater were surge pricing before they even opened. <laughs> so th- there's something not clearly not right there, or yeah, in ter- trying to make money to actually fund their own company, they're pushing it right back on the consumers, even though you're yep. already paying. For their service which uh, some people are mad about some people are just like well you know it's already a great deal and you don't have to go to the movie that when it's surge pricing i'm like yeah but when they they made that clear it sounded like they were saying for like the opening weekend like when the movie's the most popular but 
we've been charged surge pricing for a Wednesday screening of a movie that was four weeks old. So <laughs> there's something up with that. So I, I, I don't want to make this about movie pass, but if you are uh, upset, I say keep looking for um, like Regal and Cobb theaters. Those are other big chains here um, to hopefully do something like AMC. Like I, I tweeted at them today, but I encourage you tell those companies that you'll be a member if they, uh, they do something like, movie pass or like a list or some variation of it because i like paying you know a set amount of money to know that i can go to the movies and not miss things because like we look at this month that we're about to get into um we i wouldn't have seen all these movies without movie pass because there's a lot you know yeah it's not it's not cheap to go to the theater to the cinema even in, over here in the united kingdom it's for a standard price ticket now it's probably the same as over the, about fifteen dollars or I'm lucky because I have an independent theatre which is fully fully stacked, just like any of the, any of the major chains. But it's only four pounds, which is what six dollars a ticket. Oh wow! And it's and I can get a bathtub full of popcorn and a barrel full of soda or whatever for about four pounds. Yeah, about another five dollars. That's a good it, deal. And it's, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. The sound's perfect. The seats recline, which for me is brilliant because I get fidgety sometimes. And it's brilliant. So even but even with without that we get those unlimited cards. But I wouldn't be able to afford to go and watch, you know, five, six, seven films a month without the you know the privilege of having one of these cards or a cheaper cinema slash theatre nearby. But mm-hmm. it's it's hard not to talk about things like that because they're out there. And I I'm going to jump on the bandwagon, uh, the Burke wagon, and join the Burkeolution. <laughs> Tweet at your local theatres or your or the big chains and you know try and get some competition out there competition's healthy and if they can offer you a good deal and more people go to the cinema it will keep people in in theaters it will keep the industry going obviously streaming's brilliant but nothing beats going to the actual theater so anything to get more people in the seats yeah and of course you and i go to the movies enough where we've had bad theater experiences not Mm -hmm. usually the theater's fault usually the other people in the theater with us but every once in a while, I've, I've been to a few screens where I'm like, oh, man, there's, like, a, a line in the screen or uh, the sound's off. Like, um, my local theater, a few years ago, they've repaired it since then. But when I saw uh, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, the sound in the theater I saw it in was so bad. It was, like, vibrating. Um, and not, like, because it was so loud. It was just, like, you could tell a speaker had blown. But they did get it fixed. <laughs> but um, for the most part, though, I nothing beats going to the movies for me. I, I, I don't – I like being able to watch stuff at home. But I love going to the theater. That's one of the few things that I like going to, like, social interactions where I'm not usually nervous about, like, being near people or whatever. Like, I like to go to the movies. Um, sometimes it enhances an experience. There's at least two or three movies on this list from this month that being in the crowd made the movie all the better. So, Yeah, I mean, not even, it's not even the crowd. Sometimes it's just having that um, the cinema sound experience because some mm. films are made for that big screen I know all true. films should be seen on a big screen that's what they tell you but certain films have to be but yeah I, I fully agree I I get a ticket to go by myself I'll have nothing more than getting getting in the car in the night time driving 20 minutes to the cinema coming out when it's night time there's something about going in the evening which trumps go, sorry to use that word which beats <laughs> going during the day but um, yeah like I say this is a stacked show so let's do it in these shows the bloody awesome movie podcasts John and myself, we discussed the major releases from the month just gone. So in this case, July 2018. We dive into the films with our opinions and thoughts. And we always aim to keep things spoiler-free, so fear not about that. So, like we've mentioned, July is stacked, so let's get into it. 
JB, can you please reveal movie number one for July, please? Okay, well, it's for it's actually only July for you. I got to see this movie back in June, but um, because it's such a big movie this summer, uh, I think it's in the top three worldwide for box office. Um, Incredibles 2, uh, directed by Brad Bird, starring Craig T. Nelson, Holly Hunter, Sarah Vowell, Huck Milner, Catherine Keener, Bob Odenkirk, and Samuel L. Jackson, uh, who's my personal favorite. I love Frozone so much. Yes, this one came out a bit later in the United Kingdom, but it's, what, what 13, 14 years in the making since the, mm-hmm. let's face it, splendid Incredibles. The first Incredibles film was I- incredible. It was fantastic. It was a wonderful piece of animated cinema or just as a cinema a superhero film sorry it was excellent and now I guess the question people are asking was could Brad Bird come back and give us the Godfather part 2 the Empire Strikes Back or <laughs> of these kind of films in Incredibles 2 and I'm gonna be a English gent to throw over to you for that first opinion so was it worth the wait, and did it live up to that first one? It's not always fair to compare, but I think when it's as good as The Incredibles was, you kind of have to. Yeah, um, well, one, I mean, just the technology and the look of this film is insane. Like, how much the visual has progressed in the 14 years, you know? It looks yeah. stunning. Um, I think, I mean, I just saw, there's another movie on this list that I, I think... Uh, affects this but when i saw incredibles 2 it was the best action movie i saw at that point all summer like the set pieces in this movie are nuts um some of the most innovative and memorable action sets that i can recall in any superhero movie to say the least and um so yeah i think it i think it lived up to the first one um i had a lot of fun with it my wife actually came she doesn't always go to opening night movies um she's not as big a fan of the crowds and stuff so uh but for usually Disney or Pixar, she'll come out. And, um, oh, I'm wrong. She did not come see this with us. She just saw it two weeks. She actually saw it um, the night that my daughter and I saw another movie on our list. So she saw it this month. Um, but uh, we had encouraged her to do that because we Taylor, my daughter, and I loved the, the second one so much. And we thought the uh, Jack-Jack and the raccoon would really make my wife have a blast. And so... Um, we were encouraging her and she also, she came out and very happy that she went and saw it. Uh, she actually took my daughter's friend who didn't see it with us. Um, they went and watched it while my daughter and I went and saw Sorry to Bother You, which we'll talk about later. I'm glad you mentioned Jack Jack because I think he's the standout of the film. Yep. Um, at him and Frozone, you've mentioned already, there's calls for Frozone to have his own standalone film. Oh. And I would be surprised if they started to put a Jack Jack one together somehow because he is awesome and what you mentioned the raccoon the humor in this film also hit well for me i enjoyed the humor i really enjoyed the action set pieces the what i got stuck on though was it didn't feel overly fresh it didn't feel new it felt Mm. like the incredibles with a new skin which i would say bothered me but that's for me it stopped it from overtaking the first film i don't think it was as good as the first film in terms of I think, but that may also be because when that first one came out, it was so good and it felt new, it felt different. Whereas I think maybe people expected something incredible from this film. And there are lots of people out there who think this is a lot better than the first film. I mean, it's made, yeah. it's pretty much, a, it's a few bucks away from making a billion already. So there's people are rushing out to see this. And I had an absolute blast with this film. 
I don't think it's as good as the first one just because I don't think it doesn't feel like any kind of rejuvenation. It just feels a bit of same old same mm. from the first film. But to be fair, that's not a bad thing when the first one was as good as it was. But yeah, the action set pieces were fantastic. The humour was good. I like how they switched it up a bit and they've got Mr. Incredible. Bob is now the house husband and Helen is uh, out there leading the charge. And of course, this, it's a Pixar film. It's awash with uh, messages and comments to the audience throughout. So, mm-hmm. uh, as a starting film, it's not a bad one at all to start with. And like I said, it's it's a juggernaut. It's charging through the box office. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, um, I I haven't seen the first one in a while, so I I, mm-hmm. I meant to rewatch it before I saw the second one, and I I just ran out of time, and I haven't gone back to it since seeing the second one, but. I had really fond memories of it, and I, I do remember loving it. Um, I think because the second one's fresher in my mind, I have a, a little bit more affection for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but and um, I don't know. I liked Holly Hunter getting uh, so much to do, like you know, um, Elastigirl being the lead, uh, more or less this time around. I thought it was really cool, even though uh, we can't get into spoilers. But some of the story felt unoriginal or uninspired in in certain points and that was disappointing yeah that's the that's my main drawback was that after 13 to 14 years i guess maybe maybe i am being overly harsh but i had hoped not expected because i'm not a moron but i'd hoped that brad bird <laughs> we know would have would have had got bought us something like you just mentioned with with a bit of originality to it something a bit different however you know it's a tried and tested formula there are things which are slightly different, with so the role reversals in there, but it's I can't argue with how good the film is. It's I'll never sit here and say it isn't a good film because it it definitely yeah, is. Definitely agreed. And well, also, just a quick one as well. There's a if anybody has epilepsy, there's been a warning because there's mm. a few scenes in the film which could trigger that, and it has been fixed for the most part. Certainly in the UK, and I know in most of the major chains in the US. But if anybody is listening with epilepsy, bear that in mind. Yeah, it, it was a really cool sequence, but definitely uh, a little insensitive because it comes out of nowhere. Um, yeah. And I saw it opening weekend before they had even like they started posting things about it, um, like at the box office, like warning you about the uh, the lighting and whatnot. But um, yeah, uh, and I he- I heard some reports. I think Slash Film talked about that and like um, you know that it kind of was shocking and kind of messed them up a little bit, even like visually. I can't remember exactly. It's been a month since it's been out in the states, but. Um, well, we'll transition from a family-friendly film, Incredibles 2, yeah. to our next film. Uh, Matt, what's up? The next film was The First Purge, directed by Gerard McMurray, starring uh, Elan Noel, Lex Scott Davis, Joyvan Wade, Mugger, Patch Dara, and Marissa Tomai. It's uh, the fourth film in the, in the Purge franchise, which started way back when with Ethan Hawke, and it was, you know, this very isolated film set in one house it's a home invasion film with the horrendous mm-hmm. performance by max burkholder as the young oh, boy from never going to get over that they've bought basically this is a a prequel to that first purge film and it goes into the origins of where the idea for the purge came from for the new founding fathers which are supported by the nra which will come as no surprise to anyone listening <laughs> but um yeah basically it for me i'm just going to dive straight into it it felt very much like what the last two films in the Purge films it's maybe a bit more violent 
there's they there's an attempt at messages and social commentary, but because they're so undercut by the cliche and convention of this these this franchise that they become irrelevant. And guess what? There's more neon lights because they when there's a mass purge or um, a cull, everybody dresses up in neon in the world. So, um, so yeah, I, I did not enjoy this film at all. <laughs> Yeah, I um I'm kind of on the same page. I I found some joy, very little. Uh, there's a few like edits that seem like they uh, they just screwed up. Like there's stuff that happens, um, and I'm like, I, without spoiling anything, there's a part where there's like a window shattered, and there's no explanation as to when or why the window is shattered. Um, and it seems like we should have had one. And then there's a character who kind of vanishes and then shows back up. And it's it's just ugh, the writing is really weak. the yeah. The worst part, though, to me, was the tone shift. Um, there's a part where this movie becomes an action film, and is no longer a horror movie at all. Yes. And it's over the top, like B movie level action, where like a character is posing with his guns after he shoots <laughs> someone from behind him without looking. Like it's it's the most ridiculous. Like people are dual wielding like assault rifles. It is. <laughs> so ridiculous um and and it i don't know because my favorite of the four uh purge films is the second one anarchy yep. um and uh, mainly partly because of the performance who's uh i can't is it uh, frank grillo frank grillo thank you i knew it was like frank something but yeah i he i'm really happy with john bernthal as the punisher on the netflix series but he would have been another good choice i think um and yeah. he basically plays a punisher-esque vigilante type character uh just allowed to be that because of the purge and i i really found a lot of joy watching the second one not in the movie so much but you know i had a good time watching it uh election year i i liked parts of it it wasn't i didn't think it was great or anything but i was fine this one i'm definitely down on um i did really like uh is it elon noel noel maybe um Elan, I think it is. Yeah, I I thought he was great, and I want to see him in in an action role because he kind of becomes John McClane at one point in this movie, or at least like a wannabe John McClane. Not to yeah. his fault, but to the writing of the movie. Um, and I could I could see it. Like I thought he was a powerhouse in this film, and um, I think Lex Scott was the female lead, and she was also yes. really strong. I thought both of them gave really good performances. Um, and the social commentary is undercut later in the film, but it's always, they've kind of had it even in the first film. Um, it's just, this movie's like really on the nose. Uh, it doesn't, there's no subtlety to the commentary what's whatsoever. And I don't know that there needs to be in a, in a horror movie. Like you can just be straightforward with your message, I guess, but, um, it does kind of like fall to the wayside as the film moves through, um, and I'm really shocked that Marissa Tomei did this movie. Like, she doesn't need to. She's you know she's been in a lot of stuff, and her, her role in this film is is important, but also minor in terms of like screen time and stuff. So I, I yeah. don't know. Her hair color's nice as well. What's yeah. one of the best parts about the film? I think. But it's also I mean James DeMonaco. He uh, directed the first three Purge films. He produced this film. So. It's the first one of the franchise which he hasn't actually fully directed, and it does show, like you say, in that tonal shift. But I don't know. I think about the social commentary. I think these films do try very hard to to be serious with their commentary, but they are undercut 
certainly in this film, it's just at times it just gets too much and it gets a bit too silly. But I, I, I preferred Anarchy as well. I think because it took what the first film did and just expanded it, not so huge, but it expanded it. It took it outside, and mm. it was novel when it worked. And then the third film started to feel just like another extension of Anarchy without anything really different, and the political aspect didn't work. And this one, <sighs> yeah, I, I, I'm guessing. I mean, the thing is that a push. I know they've got the TV series coming up, and now that could work quite well. Yeah. I can't see a future for the films. I mean, this has made a hundred million worldwide, pretty much. So it's they're still making decent money from mm-hmm. a fairly small budget. So yeah. the appetite's there, but I'm not really too sure where they can go. I I would like for the I I get they kind of explain this in this movie, but I would like to see a purge film that isn't explicitly like murder and killing you know um they, they explain that to a degree explain might be too kind of a word but if they were to do like a heist like purge film where like people are planning some big crime because everything's legal so it wouldn't just be i'm gonna kill this guy because he stepped on my shoes last month you know like because that's kind <laughs> of in the other movies i think there's especially in the first two um, the 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 three teenage girls in the in anarchy that go on their killing spree, yeah. um, simply because like someone was rude to one of them or whatever, like they're spoiled yeah. brats and they're just gonna go kill. It's like not everybody's homicidal. Like some <laughs> yeah. people, some people would just want a seventy four inch you know four K TV from the Walmart. Like uh, I'd go for the donut shops. Oh, oh my goodness, man! All you can eat because it's the bird. Per- yeah, like you would yeah. see more of that, I think, than the killing. And while that's not as scary. It could be an interesting premise. It doesn't have to be... Like, because, again, this one, I don't feel like, really plays on the horror at all. The first movie really tries for horror. Yeah. But, again, that performance from the kid definitely makes it a very tough watch. Um, the second one, there's there's an edge of horror because the stuff that's happening is really dark and crazy. Um, and so it works as horror. The third one, there is that kind of a cat-and-mouse game happening that gives you that suspense and they do that a little in first purge but not not the same level it's more like conceptually horrifying i think in this one um as the story kind of unfolds or it's predictable you could figure it out just from watching the trailers but and really if you watch election year because this this movie tries to act like they're introducing a new thing but it, it was actually kind of the subject matter of election year <laughs> so yeah it was it just didn't feel it just didn't feel particularly vital to me. Yeah, I guess we've we've probably talked enough about a movie that neither one of us were really high on. Um, not not you know particularly. I wouldn't say it's bad. There, it's we not the worst had, film of the year. No, we've seen much worse horror films this year. Well, <laughs> yes, I would I would say to purge the franchise, but it's not the first worst film of the year. I think the last two two shows we've come across some. Horrible horrors. Yeah, for sure. And so, again, if you are a big fan of the franchise, I don't think you'll be necessarily disappointed. Um, if you wanted to be scared, I think you're going to be disappointed. I don't feel like they do a good job with the horror elements of this one. Um, Agreed. That said, uh, let's get into one of my favorite movies of the month, um, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, directed by Peyton Reed. This is the sequel. Peyton Reed also got to direct the first Ant-Man after Edgar Wright unceremoniously stepped mm-hmm. down, uh, which made me very sad. Although, I gotta give Peyton Reed credit. Um, it, you know, you're you're replacing my favorite director in a movie that I was very much looking forward to him doing. Uh, you had the odds of my liking it against him, and he succeeded. So, 
Um, Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Michael Pena, Walton Goggins, Hannah John Kamen, Randall Park, Michael Douglas, and Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, and I think there's a couple other people that probably deserve mention but aren't uh, in this list of the cast that I have here. But um, I got to say, dude, I am a big Marvel movie fan. I've seen all of them, uh, I think, all of them in the theater, but maybe three or four of the earlier ones. Like, I, I skipped Iron Man 2 in the theater. Um, I don't think I saw First Avenger or Thor or Thor the Dark World in the theater, but I think I've seen every other one in the theater. And um, I realized something with this uh, after this movie is I think I like Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp the most. Um, partly because of, well, heavily because of Paul Rudd and Michael Pena. But also, th- these movies are fun. Like, even when the stakes are uh, getting more and more serious, per se, they're a blast. Like, you could, the, the actors seem like they're having a good time. The characters seem like they're having a good time when it's possible. I mean, there's moments where they just can't have a quote-unquote good time. But there's, <laughs> you know, like, you believe that Scott Lang wants to be Ant-Man. Like, that he he's doing this because he has a desire to be a better human being and he thinks he can do that through this and um i don't know i take there's so much joy when i watch these movies that i think i like them the most as much i love guardians i was a big fan of the avengers films um i always put iron man as my number one because it started everything and it really what it really made me care about marvel movies because i'm a dc person i'm batman's my favorite despite all of the failed attempts of batman that have been done there's also been some excellent ones um but the Marvel franchise, like Iron Man brought me in and made me care about these non Spider-Man, non X-Men Marvel characters. Cause those are, I I've always loved Spider-Man, always loved X-Men. Every other Marvel is just kind of meh. Deadpool snuck <laughs> in there, but he's technically falls into the X-Men universe. So I'm going to put him over there. But, um, you know, Ant-Man, uh, if you had told me that Ant-Man would be a character that I cared about, um, or that would make me laugh or like, that he would have a, uh, a friend like Michael Pena's character, no way would I have believed any of that possible. And man, uh, I, I want Michael Pena. There's a, I think a fan petition or something where they want Michael Pena's character to, uh, recap all of the Marvel movies, like, and do like, <laughs> like cuts of him, like doing the dialogue and base. I mean, I want that to happen, Marvel. So whatever we got to do, let's get it on YouTube or I'll buy a DVD of it where he just recaps the 20 movies from Marvel because uh, my god is are those scenes so freaking funny but uh what do you think if you told me i was going to go and watch a film called ant-man i would have thought you were crazy but a let alone ant-man and the wasp however um i side with you on this i i had a great time i know a lot of people have ant-man sort of creeping up there into their top 10 because of everything you've just said because it's still t- it, it ties into the MCU, we, they're all going to, but they still feel kind of like they live outside of that universe slightly. They kind of they stand alone. And Paul Rudd as a superhero, it works. Uh-huh. <laughs> Again, I when Ant Man came out and I said Paul Rudd was going to be the superhero, you think how 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 on earth is that going to work? But then when you realise the character of Ant Man and what he brings to it, it it's a perfect fit. Evangeline Lilly, she she is the she's the boss in this film. She's fantastic. Michael Pena is. is Michael Pena. There's a, there's a section in this film which involves a serum. That's all I'll say. It oh my is god! Great fun. It is. Su- 
I was in stitches watching it, and that's something to say about this film: is it is genuinely very funny, and it's not mm-hmm. it's not always um, just uh, verbal gags; it's visual gags and physical jokes. It, there's a lot of humour to be found here, and I enjoyed that. I guess we all know the Infinity War. Without going into it, it's a heavier film. This yeah. was a lovely palate cleanser. Um, stick around for the post-credits scene, hell! But it's I had a great time. The action was good. I'm a, I'm suddenly a huge fan of Hon- Hannah John Kamen after this film. I will just say that. Yeah. But everything worked. I'm Michael Douglas, oh. the old timer, Michelle Pfeiffer, the two of them together are great. Um, Lawrence Walton Fishburne. Goggins. Oh yeah, yes. Lawrence Fishburne, Larry Fishburne, Walton Goggins, who I criticised in Tomb Raider for being there because the character was terrible. Uh, he gets a bit more to do in this film, and yeah. I like Walton Goggins as an actor anyway. But yeah, Rudd, Lily and Peña and Hannah John Kamen are the MVPs of this film well, uh, if you're a Marvel fan you're going to like this because Marvel seem to be able to do no wrong if you're a DC fan just listen watch it anyway because it's a comic book movie and it's a lot of fun um, yeah I again I mentioned all the time I'm a fair weather fan I just go to watch the films and that's it I had a damn good time with this film yeah and I gotta give props to Randall Park though man the um I guess he's an FBI agent because uh, there's no shield right like I don't think Shield's still a thing at at this point in the Marvel universe. No, they they mention it in the past. Too. Yeah, um, but Randall Park is the the officer that is supposed to be checking on Paul Rudd's house arrest, and he's constantly trying to catch. Man, he has some of the funniest dialogue um, because he's he deadpans so so much. I don't know if you know, uh, but he was the um, quote unquote Asian Jim on the Office. There's an episode where uh, they make Dwight think that Jim's always been an Asian guy, and Randall Park plays him for that one role so a little office nod uh but he's so funny in this i'd i would like him to become a regular in all of the marvel movies like let him be like <laughs> take the lead agent um because man he him and paul rudd work off each other really really well <laughs> yeah you know, i can't think of it i can't think of any performances in this film which didn't work everything just seemed to work nicely together the chemistry was good the action was good the cgi was decent mm-hmm. the the dialogue was good the story was good it's yeah. not really an awful lot to fault from this film, and it's not, it's a Mm-mm. it wasn't a film which I was when I, when the 2018 roll call came out and this I didn't look at Ant Man and Wasp and think I can't wait to see that film I'm going to have such a great time, but it just goes to show never judge a, a a film by its name or its content because it was a damn good film I had a good time and hell even if you just even if you don't like comic book films and just you just want to watch a sort of an action comedy almost check it out because you won't be disappointed. For sure. Um, definitely uh, lives up to the hype of Marvel movies. Um, there has been some criticism uh, about like the villains or whatnot, but I don't know. To me, I, we needed, like you said, a palate cleanser from um, Infinity War, and this movie does a good job of having antagonists but not ever getting too heavy. Um, you know, it's 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 a light movie with, with stakes, though. Like, the characters, they're, they're in danger at times, but, man, uh, it just works. It's just a lot of fun, and I, I do love Paul Rudd. I am... Some of my favorite comedies are him and somebody else. Like, I love Role Models and I Love You Man. Um, and, God, this movie's up there for me with the, those comedies. It's super fun. Can't wait to own it. Don't forget about his, his role in Anchorman as well. Mm, correct. Yeah, oh, God. Some of the most quotable lines in Anchorman are his, right? 60% Absolutely. of the time, it works every time. All the time, <laughs> yeah. But, I, yeah, I, I just couldn't... I don't know what it is. I think it's just because of... Just because he just seems like such a nice guy, and mm-hmm. when I think somebody's cast as a superhero, I immediately think it's going to be all action, all fighting, uh, flying around, zooming around, 
like Iron Man type thing, and I thought, how would Paul Rudd play that character? But obviously, Ant Man isn't that kind of character, and it works a bit like Doctor Strange. It, Benedict oh, Cumberbatch just works yeah. in that role. Yeah, Paul Rudd just was you know made to play this role, I think, and well, his uh, on-screen chemistry of Evangeline Lilly yeah. works perfectly. Well, and Peyton Reed or whoever is choreographing the the fights using the uh powers you know shrinking and growing and how they integrate things and how they they use them to like the salt shaker sequence which was in the trailer where she throws the salt shaker and makes it big and he runs into it just even how they decided to shoot that that the camera goes inside the, the salt shaker when we the guy hit, hits it like that's just really strong filmmaking and it's it's it makes it all the better. It makes it more fun because the action sequences aren't Paul Rudd just standing there going, you know, toe to toe. He's going to shrink down and hit you with the, the, you know, some other weird thing. Like it's, it's going to be innovative and interesting. And that it, you owe to the filmmakers for just being creative with the the skill set that the characters have. You know, it's yeah. it's awesome. And uh, uh, Hannah John Cayman's role as Ghost plays into that an awful lot. She's a very interesting villain in the way that she. Uh, fights, shall we say? But yeah, like I say, the the filmmaking aspect is also very good, and I think that sometimes gets overlooked in in this particular genre. So the, yeah, the film there's some there's some great visuals uh, in this film, and like you say, the action scenes aren't just two guys or two girls just going toe to toe, fist to fist. There's some fun moments, big and small. Mm-hmm. And I think that leads us to uh, our next action. This is an action-filled month. Yeah, talking about big, this is Skyscraper, directed by the wonderfully named Rawson Marshall Thurber, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Nev Campbell, Pablo Schreiber, Roland Merler, Noah Taylor, Chin Han, and Byron Mann. And this is a big old throwback to the old movies like The the Towering Inferno and Die Hard, simply because it tries very much to be those two films, but... Yeah. The, the Rock's back again in his 15th film of the year, I'd imagine. He never <laughs> seems to take a break, that man. No. It's good to see Nev Campbell back as well. She, I, th- I don't believe she's been in a major film for, I think, seven years. Scream so 4, right? See, yeah, so it's good to see her back on the, in, in, the, in the film. And uh, In the film, The Rock is a former FBI agent and a war veteran who's now a security assessor for Skyscrapers, which is good because the film is titled Skyscraper. Um, and he's in Hong Kong. Uh, in China, sorry, in the world's tallest, safest building catches on fire, and he finds himself getting framed for it. So, and in amongst that, his family's in trouble, who happen to be in the skyscraper. An awful lot of uh, twists and convolutions happen to make sure that he can be in the sky, be at the skyscraper. The major set piece in the film is actually in the trailer, which is a bit annoying, but that's probably the best part of the film for me. It happens kind of in the middle of the film. If you've got vertigo, you're in trouble because they do a very good job of showing the scale of of this film. And there's a lot. I I don't know how this film was kind of like rampage for me, similar to that in the sense that it isn't a very good film, but I enjoyed parts of it. Uh-huh. But I'm now going to contradict myself and say actually I don't think it's a very good film. Particularly if it wasn't for The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, just just him and what he can bring to a role like this. I don't think this film would be spoke about anywhere near as much as it is. I think I think it's number one in the world right now, but I'd put that down to a lot of Dwayne Johnson's star power more than the story. Well, and I, I haven't looked at where the money's come from worldwide, but um, I believe the fact that it was shot in China and features, you know, 
um, th- that they're playing to the Chinese market heavily, and that's probably where a good chunk of the money came because the Chinese market is huge. If you win the Chinese audience over, your mo- your movie's going to make tons of money. Yeah. Um, and that's been shown a few times. Uh, what was it? Not Valerian. Um, oh, Warcraft. The the Doug Jones movie. Um, or Dunk. Not Doug Jones. Excuse me. Duncan, Duncan Jones. Jones. Um, was uh, bombed in the U.S., but was basically saved by China. Um, I think it ended up making like three million or three hundred million or something crazy with because of China, because it made like nothing over here, and uh, it wasn't a bad movie if you're a fan of the franchise. But apparently, China loved it. Um, and uh, the thing I think I love most about Skyscraper, which I will be like you, I, I don't think this is a good movie. I think it can be kind of fun, but it's not that fun although it does move it it does like keep going and um oh yeah i definitely don't think it's a bad movie uh just it's it's kind of it's a knockoff um it's a it's another rock vehicle it's clearly a movie that's written to lead him but the standout i thought was nev campbell not just her performance which i do like nev campbell i've been a nev campbell fan since i was a kid um because of scream of course i love scream i still to this day it's one of my favorite horror films um but I thought her character that like it was written really well by Thurber who also wrote the movie the, um she's she's not a damsel in distress which is totally what I expected from the trailer that the rock was just going to have to save her she does a lot in this movie and she she you know some of it doesn't make any sense there's a whole bunch of stuff that doesn't make any sense the way the police in in China operate apparently according to this movie makes almost zero sense <laughs> but um you know because they just let some random person like guide them to things apparently is just how they do things but uh i thought like the character being um on par like they they need each other like they both serve um the same goal like he's not he's not the hero and she's the damsel they both have opportunities to save each other and i I thought that was refreshing um, and, and, you know, a little more modern. It wasn't the old school films where it's like, oh, I'm a woman, I need help. And there it is. Like, it's like, no, she's a strong woman. And she, she, you know, yes, she's scared at times, but so is he. And I thought that's where The Rock really succeeded. He is really good in this movie because this character is not some, you know, over the top action star like you get in Jumanji or even um and probably i haven't watched most of the fast and the furious franchise but from what i've seen of his character in those movies he's a superhero like the dude broke out of a cast by flexing his muscle in like fast six or something like here though he's vulnerable and he nails it i thought he was you know he earned my empathy a lot and um i was impressed by that because i do like the rock but I think of him as the WWE superstar, this over-the-top, larger-than-life action hero. And while he does things here that are over-the-top and that action hero, he's a human who is desperate to protect his family. That's it. And I, I think he succeeds really well at having that element of it. So there's there's definitely good here. Um, there's some cheesy set pieces, uh, some rip-off from not just... We mentioned Die Hard and Towering Inferno, but also Enter the Dragon, which is a weird, random, like, ripoff, but uh, there's a mirror sequence in this movie that clearly was inspired by something like Enter the Dragon. I I know there was another movie that did uh, a similar thing not too long ago, too, but um, I I didn't like the look of that sequence much, and also, uh, (laughs) there's a really blatant, like, kind of a deus ex machina type plot hole of sorts in in that sequence at the end so can't go into details but i was like oh wow 
it's but, a massive plot hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. But yeah, you're you're right. It's there's so much here that will make if you if you if you try to take a film like this seriously, you're gonna hate it because some of the things that happen just stretch all logic. But this is an action film. Some it's one of those kind of action films where it, it isn't quite the one-man wrecking band saves the day because like you say Nev Campbell's character does an awful lot of the heavy lifting as well mm-hmm. but don't expect an awful lot of uh, of logic in these films but it I won't say what what it is but it's it's all over the marketing and Dwayne Johnson's come out and said it in various mark- interviews but in terms of his character he is a he has um, issues as a character you know he's not a He's like I say, he's not a warrior of a human being. He's had yeah. setbacks, and he's got you know some very well one thing in particular which holds him back from being that wrecking machine, which is quite an interesting idea, especially for a character like he like he yeah. usually brings. Because you know, he's obviously he were used to seeing him just taking falls down left, right, and centre. But in this film, they kind of take that away a little bit, and it helps. I think that helps as well because had he been the wrecking machine. I think this film would have absolutely bombed. Yeah, it would have been super cheesy because um, it's already cheesy at times. Um, there's, oh man, there's some really cheesy line reads too late in the film. I'm trying. There is something. Uh, I, it's hard to not like give out specifics, but uh, one of the I think kids or he yells for the kid or something, and I was just like, oh, that was that was bad. But um, and oh, the kids the, aren't played well. Not that not the performances, but the kid, the way the kids are used in this film. I didn't like that. Yeah, no, I didn't either. And the worst part of this movie is the surrogate audience of people watching the events oh. of the film, and they keep cutting to it. And we're, I guess, there's like, this is how you should be reacting. You should be saying, oh! or ah, or applauding. And I'm just like, wow, why do you keep cutting to the audience? And <laughs> it's so bad. Um, I, I really didn't like that. And I mean, they've done that in tons of movies. And I don't know, it really stood out to the to me in this movie though, because like. They do it in the Ghostbusters. Um, I think maybe it's Ghostbusters Two where they keep cutting to the the crowd like outside of the uh, the the museum, and they're cheering and things like that. Like, and that that was bad, but it didn't stand out the same way. This one was. It felt blatantly obvious. Like, hey, you should have this feeling too now. And uh, man, that it just drove me crazy. But yeah, uh, still, still didn't hate this movie. Um, so it kind of fell in the middle for me. Yeah, I'd probably agree. I wouldn't. I, I, I wouldn't. So it's not going to attack my bottom ten of the year, but I mean, it's not going to. Be, it will be in that sort of lower middle section. Not because it's a bad film, but it's just kind of. It's just kind of there, yeah, and it's, super it's absolutely just a vehicle for for Dwayne Johnson, which isn't always a bad thing because he's probably he seems like one of the nicest guys you could probably ever want to meet. But it's just another film by The Rock. I think this is. It's not one of his better films, but. It's not one of his worst. It's not the Scorpion King, at least. Yeah, and I'll say, Nev Campbell, I kind of forgot, because Nev Campbell was a strong female character in all of the Scream movies, too. I mean, yeah, she yeah. has those vulnerability moments, but she, ultimately, she's always kind of a badass. I'd like to see her get a, a role like that, um, where she is the hero. like Kind of like uh, the Breaking In film from May um, that wasn't very good. Not to the Gabrielle Union. No, it wasn't Gabrielle yeah. Union. Um, whatever the actress's name I can't think of right now. Uh, she didn't do a bad job. I just thought it was a bad script. But if they could get a good movie and give something like that to Nev Campbell, I think she could pull that off really, really well, um, as long as the script's not bad. But she's she's definitely still kind of got that um, tough woman attitude that I I don't want to see her do, like, Atomic Blonde type stuff. I don't think she's that type of action. But just, like, the, you know, grind it out, 
be you know persevere tough girl i think she could nail that or even you know go back to some slashers nev maybe that's where you're uh, you know you're a, sc- a scream queen who doesn't get you know thought of as a scream queen because she's great in the scream movies even the bad ones she's still she's good yeah i'd like to see uh, it'd be interesting to see if she takes any more roles after or she's offered more roles sorry and i don't know why she hasn't been in more films well, since apparently she was on like two seasons of house of cards which must be the last couple because I watched the first three seasons of House of Cards, and I don't remember her being in it. So, uh, apparently, she shows up somewhere. Uh, in I didn't see like the last three or four seasons of it, so I don't even know how many seasons there are. Yeah, but yeah, you know, whatever. But um, I think that le- leads to me uh, introducing our next movie, um, which was one I was not looking forward to. Matt uh, was Mamma Mia. Here we go again. Um, I had avoided Mamma Mia most of my life. Um, I did watch it uh, about a week before the sequel came out, and I didn't love it. Um, I, I I found the plot of the first movie to be really really annoying. It was just that it was um, the only movie I can think of that really annoyed me as much because of this was uh, Meet the Parents, the old Ooh. Robert De Niro and Ben Stiller, where it's like if one of you would just tell the truth, none of this would happen. Like all of your lives would be so much easier if one person just opted to be honest about their feelings and that drives me nuts because i well i do know there's definitely times where you will keep things from people that you love or whatever but when it when it's right in front of them and like you blatantly have been caught and you still won't share like what's going on that annoys me and that's the whole first movie so um the other thing with the first film because it was a musical turned into a movie is there's a lot of exposition and backstory just told to us and that's okay, but it, it is like, it sounds more interesting to see it than it does to just hear about it. And the second movie, that's what the whole second movie is, is we get to see um, Donna's backstory and how she met the guys and how she ended up getting pregnant with Amanda Seyfried's character. And to make that story, which that's a compelling story to me anyways, but then you cast Lily James, who I think is fantastic. I Everything I've seen her in, I've had a lot of joy uh, between Baby Driver. Um, I, I actually really like Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. I'm not saying it's like the best movie ever, but I had a lot of fun watching that movie. Even with the bad zombie effects that they had in it, I still thought it was a fun kind of crazy action movie that I didn't see coming. Um, and then she was in a uh, war movie that I saw at the Florida Film Festival two years ago. Um, I'm trying to think of what it's called. I'm going to look it up, but I really enjoyed her in that as well. And uh, the Cinderella live-action movie that she was in is fantastic. And I just, um, I thought she was so good in Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Um, Not to mention, she's got a really great voice, especially when you compare it to the likes of Dominique Cooper and Pierce Brosnan, who has no business singing ever. Um, I'm sorry, Pierce. I know you could probably kill me and no one would ever know, but you can't sing, dude. Stop. Um but I had a lot of I actually liked the second one more than the first one um, mainly because there's no real like ridiculous plot contrivances in this one it's all a little more straightforward um, it's a, a little more sad I think because there's some yeah. there is one scene that I won't say exactly I won't give any details but I thought it was kind of mean for the movie to put it there because I was like oh you're going to make everybody cry with that <laughs> um, but uh, overall I actually I enjoyed 
the movie much more. Um, and to be fair, I didn't see the first one in the theater. Maybe if I had, I would have enjoyed it more. Um, I also watched it begrudgingly. And so there's a lot of things that could have affected my take on it. Um, but the second one, man, I, I had a good time. So I don't know. What, what did what did you think of the uh, Mamma Mia universe, I guess? Here we go again. Well, the first film I did, I was dragged along to see it in the cinema. And there were people dancing in the aisles and they were having a great time. But it wasn't all that good. The problem I found was that, like you mentioned, it was an ad- adapted from a stage show. And it felt like, very much like it, it just, the, the, uh, the writer, I can't remember the director's name now. But she, it seemed like she didn't quite know how to transition from one medium to another, and it just felt like a way to have a lot of people singing some fantastic ABBA songs, and then they thought, ah, no, we need to, oh Christ, we need to put a story in here somewhere, um, but we need to use the greatest hits as well, and it just felt like a hodgepodge of ideas. Whereas this one, they focus more on the story, and they kind of used like the B sides of ABBA's songs, yeah, and they do throw in some more of their greatest hits and. The story isn't particularly that brilliant, but no. I had a, such a good fun with this film. And Lily James, bloody hell, she sizzles in this film. She's, she does. She looks great. She sounds great. And she had to fill Meryl Streep's shoes, basically. But yeah. when the film, when the film, because it's a prequel and a sequel. But, so when the film's in its prequel stage in the late 70s following Donna, uh, Lily James' character, that's when it's at its best. Yeah, and you get to see young versions of Pierce Brosnan and Colin Firth and Stellan Skarsgård, and there's so much fun. It's just films yeah. bright well, and breezy. the kids they cast as those young versions, even of the the young friends, are fantastic. And really impressed with the casting director to find, um, especially the the two friends um, of Donna's. They look so much like their older counterparts. Spot on, yeah. Yeah, and Hugh I was... Skinner is Colin, young Colin Firth. He got his mannerisms so right. Yes, I agree, and um, and to be fair, I, I can't get enough of Colin Firth at this point. I am a huge fan, and like I think him being in something will make me watch it. Uh, I'm still working my way through some of his movies, but the ones I've seen, he just he's so charming on screen. Um, but the the exception was the 2016 film I saw with James. Uh, it's a World War One. It's a World War Two, but it focuses on the Kaiser from World War One and him in hiding, who's played by Christopher Plummer. The crazy thing about this movie is Jai Courtney is the lead, and that's usually not a good thing. That's not a good thing. But he's actually good in this movie, I promise. Give that a chance. But uh, she's also in Darkest Hour, which I forgot, but I really like Darkest Hour a lot. And um, she's in a movie this year I got to see at Tribeca with um, Tessa Thompson called Little Woods, uh, which, interestingly enough, she's also in Sorry to Bother You, um, but only as a voice. And for Tessa Thompson at one point, which is kind of interesting that they were in another movie together um, playing uh, sisters, actually, um, that I liked a lot, though, at Tribeca. And, yeah, I I just – she is a superstar in the making, and this movie, I think, really lets her shine um, because Seafried is good. Uh, I had – I didn't like Les Mis either, which a lot of people can't believe when I say that, but I, I – really didn't like Seafried in Lame Is at all. I thought her singing was awful. Um, she's much better, I think, in the two Mamma Mia movies, though. I, I don't mind her singing at all. Um, Cher shows up uh, looking kind of like she's had way too much plastic surgery. Like, she seems a little okay. stiff. Um, you know, like, her face even seems kind of stiff. Like, 
it almost looked like claymation like the director had to walk out and like shape her mouth uh to say the words but Um, but i want to give credit to the director old parker is uh the name but man this movie's so much more cinematic than the first film and obviously this was just a film there is no stage version of mama mia here we go again to my knowledge um and there's a lot of really cool transitions in this movie where we go from the different time periods um sometimes with reflections like i was really kind of shocked because i was not expecting anything like that in after the first movie which is not cinematic at all but again based on a play so that usually happens you get this depending on the filmmaker you don't always get a really you know interesting kind of reimagining of the stage play you a lot of times you'll just get a stage play on the screen here yeah. uh it's a it's a movie musical for sure and you get some of those cinematic flourishes that i mean they're not like necessarily original or new but they 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 add something to the movie they make it more visually interesting so yeah i agree i had such a good fun with this movie and i wasn't sure whether i was going to or not but it isn't a it, i mean it's not a, i don't think it's a great 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 movie but i had so much fun with it christine baranski and julie walters together are excellent and get probably the film's best lines yeah it's never not fun to see pierce brosnan and colin firth and stellan skarsgård together and if you like that first film then you'll have a big old smile on your face with this one yeah and you've just said it, it's a cinematic musical so greece looks super stunning the are the island of greece they're, they're in um ah. kalakari looks somewhere yes. i'd like to move to it does you totally threw me off though i thought you transitioned to the the greece the musical but the the movie and i was like you think that looks stunning oh wait he's talking about the island <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, john travolta's hair was great it, it was film. fantastic um, <laughs> the, yeah, the country the island the greek islands yes. look awesome uh pierce brosnan does does sing again but don't worry it's it, it's very quick it very, is very um, quick, yeah. Stripped back, thank God for that. But or listen, ensemble, <laughs> yeah. He's, he's kind of pushed to the back, but this is a. It's summer. This film was targeted for this time of year. It's full of sunshine. It's full of fun. Just even if the story is a bit naff, dust off your hips. Just have some fun and just remember just how many good songs Abba did actually have. So. I had more fun than I thought I would do with this film, and a lot of that was due to the lead performances, but also it's just an inoffensive, fun yeah. movie which you can tap your feet to. It makes you smile, it might pull at your heartstrings a little bit, but um, there's nothing you won't see coming from a mile off as well. But hell, I had good fun with it, and I would, I'd certainly say to anyone who was on the fence, go and check it out. It's, it's a lot of fun. And I will say, uh, lastly, though, I am not a, I'm not like a fan of ABBA. I don't think it's bad music or whatever, but it's not something I would listen to on my own. Like, I wouldn't go like, all right, what's in the car today? Let's put on the ABBA CD. Like, that's not my style of music at all. But I could not get these songs out of my head for days. And I'm not happy about that, mind you. Like, but it, I can't deny how catchy they are because, man, I was like, I was dreaming about these songs. Like, they were just like the soundtrack of my dreams for the next two or three nights. And, uh, again, not happy about it. Just pointing it out that they are super catchy as a result. So be mindful. Because these are, like you said, these are like the B cuts for the most part. Minus the uh, the couple of songs they rehashed from the first movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they do a good job, I think, of weaving the, the lyrical content into the story, too. Even if some of it feels a little forced. But, it you know, they make it work. Um, Andy Garcia, I'm looking at you. Even though, good job. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. 
Yeah, his, his, Andy Garcia and Cher share a scene together in bloody hell. Um, <laughs> that's the that's the restroom scene, if you will. Yeah, that's the the, the run go pee app. Uh, yeah, break. you got about three minutes during it, but I I had a good time with this film, and I I have no shame in saying that it's a good fun breezy summer film. Agreed. The next film isn't. Uh, the next film is The Equalizer 2 directed by Antoine Fuqua uh, and once again teaming up with Denzel Washington the King Pedro Pascal uh, Ashton Sanders Orson Bean Bill Pullman and Melissa Leo now The Equalizer the first film was alright I didn't mind it it was a straight up action film It it had a lot of violence over story but it worked, and Fuqua and Washington, they kind of had something together. They were, it was a good vehicle for him, for Denzel, to show that he can be that, you know, ass-kicking old man, older man, shall I say, but, I mean, now he's in his 60s, but it made a bit of money, it didn't do too badly, so, for some reason, they thought, well, nobody's asking for this film, nobody really pushed it at his box office, but we'll make another one anyway, and I wish they hadn't, because this is just not good I won't be too harsh <laughs> it's just not very good I mean it seems to want to re take the major elements from the first film but it still isn't anywhere near as good Denzel is very good he he's yeah. damn good at what he does I mean he he, he was in Roman Roman J.S. role Esquire this year which was one of the worst films I've seen in a while he was very good as the character and it's the same here this film, I put in my review that this is just got straight to DVD, dripping all over it. It's just bloody awful. Ashton Sanders is okay. He's taken a big step down from Moonlight. Yeah. He's very good. I know you like Pedro Pascal, so I won't say too much about him. I mean, he, nobody's bad in this film. It's just no. people seem to just sort of turn up and, you know, here's the script, here's what you've got to do, do it, thanks, here's my paycheck, I'm off. Well, but, I think I think who's bad is Anquan Fuqua. Um yeah, and uh, uh, here's where I think he's bad. And I'm gonna look at the first movie too because I just saw the first one, like two days before Equalizer two, and um, I had not seen it. I, I actually, the first half of the Equalizer, I was really really into it, like a, a lot, like almost like wow, how did I miss this movie? This is really awesome, and it's because of Denzel, but it's because of the characters in the Equalizer. Like, it's so compelling to have this kind of mysterious figure in the first film of who is this old guy you even have the two Beavis and Butthead-esque characters that work with him at Home Mart who basically pose that question for the audience of like what'd you do before this and he just kind of shrugs them off um, I think he says he was part of the Temptations or something or the, he was a pip that's what he says he was a pip um, yes. from Gladys Knight in the Pips. Gladys Knight in the Pips. Um, and they like they're they're watching like a YouTube video. It's like, is that him? Um, and you know we don't know. You know because the marketing in the first movie went ahead and told you what he was. But nonetheless, like even watching the film, you're like, wow, I know he's gonna be this like you know action star at some point. But I don't see it here. He's just this nice guy who seems to care about everybody. And he you know he's called back into this life of action because chloe grace Moretz's character is a uh basically a prostitute they never outright say she's a yeah. prostitute but it's very blatant um at points she's a working girl an escort etc but she's underage and um, she's beaten and it prompts him into work and that 
it, he didn't realize uh, that his one action was going to have repercussions. And I buy into all of that. The second half of that movie, though, becomes this over-the-top zany action character where um, his character, Robert McCall, breaks character. He does things that don't make sense to who we've been introduced to. Like, we've been introduced to this very thorough, precise, OCD person who is meticulous, who can look at things and give you a time frame of how long it will take him to complete because he is so precise. And at the end of the first movie, the last half becomes Home Alone, but nowhere near as planned as Kevin McAllister is. Ad-libbed Home Alone. He puts everybody's life at risk. It's nothing like the person we've seen in the first half. And the second movie, they go even worse with the second half of the movie. Again, I think the beginning of the movie, we see him, he's still kind of living this vigilante lifestyle. And I think some of those early action sequences are kind of cool. I think Fuqua makes some interesting choices to not always show what he does. We just know that he did something at a couple of points. Um, and yet, like, the, the scene with the, the, the frat guys or whatever, the business guys, um, I thought was really strong. I really liked that sequence. I thought it very much fits with who this character is. He's always trying to basically put what he views as the right behavior onto the people he meets. Like, you're doing things wrong. This is how you should live. Very much like an OCD type person, like, who has this, uh, I don't know, godlike ability to kill people. But the second half of the movie, man, and I'm gonna, this is, I guess it's a spoiler, but I'm sorry, this deserves to be spoiled. He takes the bad guys into a hurricane. So, <laughs> yes. Right away, I'm like, wow, this is really stupid. But it does make sense. It's going to give him a sense of cover. It still, it immediately made me worry that we're getting another Home Alone type ending. And we do, but it's worse than the first movie. And the, the thing that stood out to me the most was that he printed pictures, several pictures, of a person that was killed by the bad guys and has time to staple them to a wall during the hurricane to psychologically to harass the bad guys. What in it's the hell? It's on forever. Yeah, so long, and it's so dumb, and nobody, these trained mercenary soldiers make the stupidest choices because I don't think Fuqua knows how to end his movies. I think every movie I've seen of Fuqua's that is an action film ends really, really questionably. Even Training Day has some questionable stuff happen at the end where characters do things that don't make sense to who they've been established to be. Uh, Magnificent Seven's the same way. These Both Equalizer films are the same. It's like he's really good at creating these interesting characters and then he just throws it out the window for the second half of the film and just like, how do I make this big and bad and crazy? And Denzel is good enough to like keep it... You still care a little, but man, the second one definitely it, it might as well have jumped a literal shark because it is way over the top at the end and i was not not thrilled with a lot of uh of this movie again not denzel's fault i do i'm, I'm pointing my finger at fuqua because it's the only thing that makes sense to me it's the uh i mean they work together a lot so washington must like yeah. something that he does but man um some of the choices he makes for the 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 second halves of his movies are just outrageous well, you're dead right in the sense that the first half is far better than the second half because the first half is, yeah, it tries to sow some seeds and 
build up some intrigue. It's still not very good, but at least no. it tries. Because the second half is just, it, I mean, like you say, there's trained assassins and mercenaries, and at one point Denzel walks into a, a bakery, turns on a fan, and puts bags of flour in front of it, as if that's going to deter anyone. But these idiots fall for it. Mm-hmm. It's just ridiculous. It's big men with big guns just running around yep. shooting at each other. Literally, it goes yeah. on for far too long. This what, ending does. What you just described, that moment with the flower and the fan, is totally something in Home Alone 1 that yeah. Kevin sets up to get, like, he tars and feathers That's Joe it. Pesci's character. Like, oh my god. <laughs> like, we're pulling... You, you, I expected Pe- Pedro Pascal to fall down with a big tarantula on his face at one point. <laughs> yes. <and scream. laughs> we didn't get that, but I was, I, I was also hoping that a stray bullet would come through the screen and wound me. Just so I could enjoy or get some excitement from some of this film. It's yeah. so boring. It's, it's... Which I didn't think I'd say that. But I mean, it's, I'm not going to... Again, I don't mean to be disparaging. Because I definitely aren't. But I didn't expect an awful lot from a film like this. Whereas yeah. you get some action films. I don't know we're going to speak about one later. Which can be sensational. But this is just... I don't know. It's just... It's just there. But it's... don't really know why. It didn't... Like you say, you've got the character of McCall... He's, he helps out some disaffected youths. He's a lift driver, and he wants to get. He just wants to help people mm-hmm. who are less well off than him. So he's a nice guy. He just happens to be a straight up cold killer. The introduction scene, I will say, was very good. I did enjoy that a lot on the train. The poor Turks never yes. had a chance. Yeah, but yeah. The, I, didn't, I didn't mind parts of the dialogue. Some of it was horrible, but I don't know. It's it didn't work for me. Like I said, it just felt it just felt like a straight to DVD the end the, the the last half felt like what Bruce Willis has been crapping out in the last few years <laughs> yeah I, I agree um, it's it's way beneath what this movie could have been I still think yes. the premise is so compelling and it's just the execution that's that's lacking um, because I, I do I think I am a fan of like the vigilante justice obviously I love Batman I'm a fan of the Punisher um, I, I can get behind a character like like uh, Robert McCall in these films, but it's, it's the execution is just not there. So it's so close, but so so far in the end um, that yeah, it's it's so far uh, of the movies we've talked about to the point it is, has been I think the the collectively worst um, with the first purge not being too far ahead of this mind you, but yeah, um, just uh, not great. If you're going to compare the two. If I'm really clutching at straws and pulling at anything I can find, at least the to me the purge as a prequel served its part in terms of that thorough, that narrative and that franchise, if you will. I didn't really the Equalizer two. I mean, it had a strange production anyway because it was only pretty much announced a few months before it was coming out, and yeah. almost as if the studio and that just almost they almost it's almost as they thought is anyone actually going to bother watching this? Whereas the purge. Uh, the first purge, I guess, serves the purpose that it set up the what happened in the subsequent three films. Even though we already knew this film just felt like a needless con- continuation. And I too like vigilante justice films, but yeah, this so far this is definitely the worst of the bunch for me. Agreed. Um, now I we haven't talked about the next movie. Uh, I'm not sure. I hope you have seen it. Have you? Um... I have seen it. Yes. Okay. Uh, Unfriended, dark web. Um which uh, is directed by, um, I've lost it, Steven Susco. Uh, stars, nobody super famous, but we have uh, Rebecca Rittenhouse. Bet- Betty Gabriel is probably the biggest name in this movie for sure, um, being in Get Out and then uh, 
something else earlier this year. Oh, the the Purge election year, um, which I did. I didn't remember that actually, but she was in something else this year. Oh, Upgrade. Um, yes. I loved her in Upgrade. God, I want to. Re- I can't wait to own Upgrade. By the way, uh, I really enjoyed that movie a lot more than I thought I would. But um, Colin Woodell, Chelsea Eldon, Stephanie N- uh, Neregis, I totally butchered that. Andrew Lees and a few other people. Um, it is. Uh, a film that premiered at South by Southwest when it was on the the list for South by Southwest, all it said was Untitled Blumhouse Film. And it wasn't till the premiere that they finally revealed that this was a sequel to Unfriended. And sequel in concept, not in story at all. It has nothing to do with the original film other than how it is presented, which is completely on a computer screen. Um, a novelty that uh, the first film did not uh, succeed with me. I was pretty much checked out of the first film by the first like 30 minutes or so i Agreed. um i was not impressed with that one uh i thought this one though used it in a a little better way but also um i think the story in this one is much much better um going with dark web going with hackers even though there's still some stuff in it that i don't love um i had a really good time with this movie i was genuinely freaked out and when i walked out I was like aiming my my phone's camera away from me. I was a little mm. little more paranoid than when I walked in, um, which I think is a, a says something about a horror film. When you walk out freaked out and it's it lingers with you, it succeeded in in getting those scares. Um, now, I, I wish we talked about this off mic because I, I do you know there's supposed to be two different endings that are out for this movie. I saw a story about this uh, this morning, I think, or, or last night, and. It's been refuted by some people, and these and other people are saying, and other people are saying, actually, no, it's true because we we, we work in the cinemas and the projectors, the projector guys, they've got a note saying there's two endings and one is longer than the other. But whether that's true or not, I'm not sure. Well, I read an article. Um, I I'm not going to remember who it was, but they uh they sent two of their reviewers to screenings. Um, one only went uh, once, and so he only got one ending, but the other guy did get both endings. Um, and so they apparently exist, although I guess they could have made it up. But um, I know that my local theater, I have, I saw it one night, uh, Big Tuna saw it a different night, and then um, QK Films, which is an Instagram friend of ours, um, they saw um, the same ending on a different night. So all three of us got the exact same ending on three different screenings at the same theater. So it does make it seem highly suspect, but there is descriptions of the second ending out there. So I'm not sure, but um, I missed this at South by. I did catch it recently, and I, I had a I really enjoyed it, and I was actually surprised um, at the uh, the lead character. Um, what is it? My, Midas Miles Matthias Matthias, uh, played by Colin Waddell. Um, man, I thought he did a really great job of uh, selling the the character and uh making me care about what was going on in the movie um i don't know what, what were your thoughts um what i fear most about these kind of films is is that exact thing are the performances or the characters of the cast going to be just cookie cutter cardboard cutout generic you know fodder but yeah colin woodell does very well in this film thankfully leading this film he's not so he's not just some you know idiot who you don't care about or you don't want to follow. He does a good job. Um, yeah, it felt very real. It felt very, very, very modern. And I guess 
a lot of the escapism of cinema was taken away because this felt like something which you know I could I could come home and actually do almost yeah. you know the kind of the hackers the dark web the, the uh, some of the things that they see um, uh, videos and that they see I mean it's pro- probably all out there but um, yeah so the horror for me came from the reality but there are some you know it's, it's a Blumhouse a Blumhouse film it's about teenagers there's a there's a big old death toll in some inventive ways and some a bit more blunt yeah but I mean the, 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 obviously the message is the message is clear you know, just be careful I think it's the message basically yeah there's some nasty people out there and the dark web is not the kind of place you want to be hanging around with but in terms of the film itself I too didn't like Unfriended I it was throwaway to me and it it, it wasn't very good this film though I preferred I thought it was a lot better it's uh, yeah I I don't think the best way to put it, it, it probably better than it. It for me, it's like um, Ouija, the the Ouija film that came out, Origins of Evil that came out a year or two ago, where that came off the back of an absolutely awful first film, but the uh-huh. second film was actually pretty good. It kind of strayed away from what made the first film so bad, and it tried something I say different, like this film, and it succeeded. It it I I had quite a good time with the film. Yeah, it's better than some of the horror films we've spoken about this yes. year. Yes, for it's sure. It's not as good as some of the other ones. No, but I thought it's better than I thought it would be. Cause I thought it would be. Um, I just thought it would be uh, one of Blumhouse's kind of errors. It was a it's a one million dollar budget, so it's, they they don't make films on a budget anyway. So it's going to make its money back and more. But I I had a good, I, I enjoyed it. I'm interested to see what whether this alternate ending was it's, a mistake yeah. or whether it was kind of a very very clever marketing tool to get more people to go and watch it again to see if they get that second ending yeah. which if that's the case hats off to the marketing team there but no I had a good time with this film well I had a good time with this film I, it, it's a the, the realism of the story is quite unnerving because it's not you know, obviously the 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 message in itself is not is something which should be heeded by everybody so that is what I find horrific but mm-hmm. I was entertained by it for the most part, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was, um, I cared about the characters, so I was, I was stressed out, like, for them, um, but to me, though, when you look at the first film and the second film, and you think, like, someone was like, hey, let's do a movie where it's all done from a computer screen, you're like, okay, well, what happens? Like, a ghost. Like, how does Hacker not come up first? Like, that feels like such a misstep that they went with Supernatural for that first movie where this one makes so much sense that it's on a computer screen. Um, now, there's another movie, I think it's called Searching, that uh, John Chow is the lead in, and it's also done all on a computer screen, and he's trying to find his um, his daughter's gone missing, and he's trying to find her, so he's, like, emailing, and he's reading, blah, blah, blah. It's supposed to be really, really good, and I want to see that very much. Um, but I, I, th- I definitely think Unfriended Dark Web... Um, one, if you saw the first film, ignore it. Go into this one knowing it does not matter that you saw that first film, um, whether you liked it or not, because this one has basically nothing to do with it. Um, they could have just called this Dark Web, and it would have been sufficient, but I guess they're hoping for name recognition. Although Blumhouse is showing to have some questionable naming decisions. Like, you look at uh, Truth or Dare, which is one of the worst horror films that I've seen this year, that they put Blumhouse Presents on, in the right. title. Um where it's like, why would you do that? This movie's not good, and because it's absolutely terrible, and they needed to get something, yeah, to get people into the audiences. But I hate I, that film. It's so bad. Um, and I, I'm gonna own that film soon, thanks to my uh, local theater 
um, we get if you see four horror films, uh, you get the digital copies for free. Um, and so, Truth or Dare, Breaking In, First Purge, and then Halloween, which I'm actually looking forward to. Uh, but I, I'm like, I don't want Truth or Dare, but okay, I guess I'll <laughs> take it. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, Unfriended Dark Web. I, I've like I said, I had a couple of friends go and see it, and they've also enjoyed it. I I was pleasantly surprised. I kind of came out, um, again, paranoid, mind you, but also, like, it was one of those kind of, like, man, that was way better than I thought it was going to be, and I'm really glad I went and saw it. So, uh, yeah, that was that was my take on that movie. Yep, I'm on the same page. It's better than I thought it was, was going to be. It's better than it probably should have been. And, yeah, just ignore Unfriended. This is a sequel simply in name only. It's a, it's a lot better than that first one. Uh, and, yeah, I... I had a good time with it, and it keeps you on your toes, and it keeps you not wanting to put your Skype on. Um, I'm not sure. Is this John I'm talking to, or am I, have I been drawn into some strange game? Uh, it's me. I promise. Okay, good. <laughs> cool. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm not going to be the victim of something. No, it's a good film. I enjoyed it. It's not the best. It's not the worst, but it's better than Truth or Dare, that's for sure. But the next film, however, is it's on a different zenith, on a different spectrum. It's Mission Impossible Fallout, directed by Christopher McQuarrie, starring the evergreen Tom Cruise, Henry Cavill, Ving Rhames, Simon Pegg, Rebecca Ferguson, Sean Harris, and Alec Baldwin. And this film is getting absolutely rave reviews. I even read today that a lot of people are calling it one of the best action films of all time, and others are saying that if it's not in the race for Oscars, like as in seriously in the race, then... That something's wrong with the Academy now I watched this, it only came out a few days ago in the United Kingdom, I think it came out the day later in the United States So, and I've not been a huge fan of the Mission Impossible franchise I like Ghost Protocol, I thought that was de- decent I like the last one so, And but when they're not very good I don't think they're very good however, I was drawn in by the trailer for this film, so I thought it looked great I was interested just to see Henry Cavill's moustache because that that <laughs> moustache was better than Justice League as a film, I think. But and also, this is a female's dream. You've got the vintage Tom Cruise and the new brew of Henry Henry Cavill. But story-wise, this film is insanely good. It is so very good. The action is brilliant. The set, the action set pieces in this film are awesomely choreographed. Everybody knows Tom Cruise does his own stunts. And when you're watching it, it makes it even more breathtaking, some of the things he does. It's well written. It's well paced for a longer movie because it clocks in at best part of two and a half hours. So it's not a short film. You've got Ethan Hunt and the boss baby, Alec Baldwin. But I think (laughs) this is just a... I think when we go into this, we're going to... I mean, I don't know what you think about this film, which is interesting. Ah. I mean, particularly what you think. But for me, this is one of the best films of the year I think and I never thought I'd say that about a, a Mission Impossible film but Tom Cruise is he's fantastic he's this new he's like the United States James Bond and actually these mm-hmm. films are almost better than some of the Bond films Henry Cavill I was I thought was fantastic I wouldn't want to meet him in a dark alley because he that guy is big yeah. and when he throws down in the bathroom which is in the trailer oh my Christ, god I, 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 he'd put his fist through the wall but Simon Pegg I know you're a big fan of Pegg Yep. He's very good. Rebecca Ferguson, uh, uh, Angela Bassett's in this as well. Must yeah. throw that out there. But um, rather than me rambling on for, for first, let's just what, what did you think about this film? Because I thought this was sensational. Well, I got. Um, I'm going to do what you just did too and go. Um, I 
saw the first film in the theater when I was a kid, and I liked it. Um, I tried rewatching it a few years ago, and I found it really slow and boring. And it, it's Same. a different style of movie. Um, I saw Mission Impossible two in the theater, and of course, Limp Biscuit did the uh, their take yes. on uh, the theme song, and it was "Take a Look Around." Um, I do like that song. I won't lie. Um, I was a Biscuit fan at the time, especially. But my God, does Mission Impossible two feel like MTV just threw up all over it? Um, <laughs> and um, I skipped three because of that. I didn't see three until about two weeks ago. I finally went back and watched three, uh, which was J.J. Abrams' first feature film. Uh, the Philip Seymour Hoffman's the villain. It introduces Simon Pegg's character Benji into the franchise, which he's a super minor character in number three. Um, but I, I just watched it. I really like three a whole lot. Um, I did see Ghost Protocol after everyone kept raving about the uh, the climbing on the building stunt. Um, yeah. So I finally caved and watched that, and I thought, wow, this is actually really good. And then I went and saw uh, Rogue Nation on opening day in an IMAX theater with my daughter. It was her first Mission Impossible other than we, we kind of like watched some summary videos so she'd at least have a kind of familiarity with IMF. Um, and it's really interesting, though, that uh, 5 was the first one I saw in the theater um, since the first one because the sixth movie, Fallout, is the first uh, true sequel in the franchise where it actually has returning characters outside of the IMF characters. Like, you have... Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, Rebecca Ferguson and Sean Harris both reprise their characters from the last film. And uh, the story is a fairly direct continuation of the results of the last one. And there's always some repercussions that carry over. But this is a true, like, story is still going, um, which was really interesting. And uh, the performances were super strong. The, the chemistry between Simon Pegg and Tom Cruise is outstanding um yeah their their comedic work together is so 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 funny uh there's this whole chase sequence that you see in the the trailer in the trailer you hear him say um why aren't you going he's like i'm jumping out a window but how that plays in the actual movie is so much funnier than what you get in that little moment in the trailer and um i i love that this movie can have the humor but still be the stakes are super high um there's some intensity uh the that fight in the bathroom is one of the best fight choreography like, oh, yeah. like if ever like it's so intense and and every every hit i felt like it was so in, so impactful the way it's shot and everything it's just it's quick and yet it slows down and then it picks up again it's just just amazing and rebecca ferguson i was basically unfamiliar with uh before the last movie and man, she is a awesome action star. I mean, she's got this move. I don't know who's if she's doing it or if it's her stunt person or if it's all CG, where she like climbs up the person and wraps her leg around their yeah. neck. And they do it like probably too many times, but every time I'm impressed and awed by like how fast she moves. Um, I I'm and I gotta say too, Alec Baldwin in this movie shocked me at least once, where I was so. Like I can't believe the performance this guy's giving. I, you know, I I was, I didn't even realize the movie was two and a half hours until I looked it up afterwards because I was in the entire time. Um, this and I I've done some reading on the stunts and stuff. Like there's this skydiving stunt that might be the craziest it's thing. Incredible. Did do you know they they did it a hundred and six times? He I jumped. didn't know they did it a hundred and six times, but he, I. I noticed the you know, the technicalities of actually make making the dive, and it's yeah. just ridiculous. 
There's an article, um, I have it linked in my, uh, I haven't posted my review yet, but I'll post it, by the time this podcast is out, I'll have my review up. Um, I've linked to the article where, like, they, uh, I think it was at CinemaCon, they went through, like, some of the details of that stunt. And, like, they, ha- they had to jump out of the plane 106 times to get three takes they wanted to use. Like, like, oh my god. like Six times. Yeah, and they had to shoot in a very, sp- I can't remember which country, but only one country would allow them to do the stunt because it's so dangerous i've never been skydiving because i am definitely scared of heights i don't mind airplanes i can stand i can sit on a plane not whatever but i don't like heights but i don't know how long it takes to get from the plane to the floor and then (laughs) to reload get yourself back into the plane go back up into the sky drop down again because obviously they wouldn't have done 106 in one day surely you wonder how long it would have taken from 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 takeoff to getting in the right position because obviously you need to film in the exact same place each mm-hmm. time for the continuity and so the lighting out so exactly because it's like sunset so there there's probably like an hour window that they could shoot each day too so i have no idea um exactly like i think it's all in the article i i skimmed it today but i had heard it on a podcast uh when CinemaCon was happening a few months ago um but yeah there's a few crazy stunts in this movie and um i i do note that tom cruise must think he is Ethan Hunt at this point because he's willing to risk everything to get what he wants, you know. Like, and man, the dude is like taken. He's, he, mm, I, I am, I've become a fan of this franchise. Like, some people really latch onto the Fast and Furious franchise, and some people latch onto Transformers. I think this is my action franchise right now. Like, where I'm, I'm in for Mission Impossible. Like, when it's coming out, I'm in. Um, I haven't decided if this is the best, but man, it it definitely feels like it right now like i'm still on a a a euphoric high from watching it last night and um i luckily did not use my movie pass to see this um (laughs) so i will get to to use it later uh hopefully you know when uh it's not surge pricing or i believe they've even blacked this movie out of their ticket options for the weekend um but nonetheless um I, i got i had two free tickets from another uh uh digital service provider and that's what i use to go see this in the uh, biggest imax we have in orlando and i think it's the biggest imax in the state and it was it was definitely worth it um my daughter also loved it uh we had a great time and again i am a huge simon peg fan and i i love benji's character so much so some of those set pieces would have looked monumentally good on imax i mean the mm-hmm. there's a there's a awesomely choreographed motorbike chase in this film oh man and there's a kind of james bond-esque ending uh which i won't go into obviously but you know the set piece at the end and this is but it's bigger and better than pretty much anything bond's done before paris looks bloody good as well in this film i've got to give out there's some really lovely cinematography in this film some of the shots yeah are mainly in paris are just beautiful to look at and yeah it, it, i mean more than just the set pieces, because the set pieces in this film are just out of this world, and I don't. And that isn't hyperbole; they really are fantastic. Which did did you together. see uh, Man from Uncle? Yes, uh, th- I thought there was like a nice little nod to that movie with the because uh, there's a scene where um, Cavill gets a car wedged in between two walls in uh, Man from Uncle, and then That's that right, yes, there's like a nod to that in Mission Impossible. Van, uh, yes. I don't know if it is. I found it very coincidental that another spy movie that Cavill was in had a very similar uh, scene happen, um, different but similar in that way. And I, I was like, oh, I was like, oh, I wonder if anyone else in the theater 
even I, saw Man from Uncle. <laughs> like, but that's exactly what I was going to say. Maybe Macquarie put it in there as a nod to get more people to actually see the Man Man from Uncle because that was a that was a very good spy film. I and it Henry was. fantastic in that film, but he's very good in this and here, and he's I mean like physically he's imposing. He's got a presence about him, and he really wouldn't want to mess with this guy. Tom Cruise does what Tom Cruise does best: ignore the fact, ignore the mummy from last year because that was horrible. Yeah. If you want a film from last year, watch him in American Made. That's a fabulous film. But in terms of this, this is a like I say, the set pieces are what you go to see. But the story itself is compelling. The yeah. performances are very good. It, it, it like I said, it's a long film, but the, it's paced so very well that you don't feel bored. And like you said, you're in, you're sucked in, you're drawn in. And this is a franchise which I've just sort of had not a massive interest in. When it's good, it's pretty good. When it's bad. It's not great, but this is another level. I think this is the best MI film for me. And I will, if they're making a seventh, which I'm sure they will, yeah. I will be there on opening night. I will say, um, I think Macquarie has, uh, he has his work cut out for him because this is a spy genre film, and the spy genre films have so many expectations of what they're gonna do, and this one falls into some of those tropes. But every time I thought I knew exactly what was going on and that, like, he thought he was going to trick me, he didn't trick me, but he didn't – that wasn't what he was going for. Like, he was never he, – he knows how smart the audience is, I guess is what I'm saying. He doesn't, like, oh, I gotcha. Like, he's like, no, no, I knew you knew this, but here's how it's going to play. And it plays differently than expected. And it still isn't, like, a twist, per se, and it's not just, you know, twisting the tropes or flipping the tropes around – but he uses them to make the story compelling and interesting. And I think that's, you know, really, really, uh, you know, great on his part. Because it could have just been like, okay, it's another Mission Impossible movie. And it is, but it's not. It's like the characters are smart and they've learned from the, their other movies. Like they've actually experienced these things and have taken that into their processing. And they know how to now use that information to continue to... Uh, be a spy and I, I really find that kind of refreshing to see characters grow you know and and change not just during the course of the film but like from film to film like look at Benji's character from the first film he's like yes. a, in the office computer nerd now he's in he's insisting on being a field agent and yet even I love that conversation this is an early early scene in the movie but um, when he's like of course I'm nervous but I don't look nervous and he's like you're nervous and Tom Cruise is just like no I'm not nervous <laughs> And Ving Raim says he's not nervous. He just jumps in. No, nah, yeah. he's not nervous. And yeah, like, yeah. Tom Cruise flashes that smile. Oh, man. I, I know a lot of people do hate on Cruise. I, I am a fan of his performances. I'm not saying he could be an awful human being, but on screen, hmm. Tom Cruise works for me, um, for sure. I don't know that he is an awful human being. I'm not saying that. I'm saying yeah, he yeah, might yeah. be. I don't know what he's like in real life. But on screen, this persona, I, I definitely think there's way worse people than Tom Cruise, whatever. you know. From what I know... I'm, I'm slipping down a slope that I'm not trying to. I'm just saying, I don't know much about Tom Cruise as a person outside of his uh, performances, but his performances always seem to work for me, and I find him um, generally a joy to watch. Even in, like, ugh, The Mummy, the worst thing they did with The Mummy is they tried to write him a character that it was so counter his on-screen persona that I think it just, it like, fought itself. Like, because he's trying to be kind of, he's kind of a schmuck in the mummy yet he's still charming tom cruise it just doesn't work but we've seen it work like in magnolia he's a complete ass and he does a great job of being that guy but it does seem so counter to his normal uh type you know but 
um, Ethan Hunt really is like I think that's his guy now. Like that's his character. You know, uh, Tony Stark is to Robert Downey Jr. Ethan Hunt is to Tom Cruise for me. This is uh, who I think of now when I think of Tom Cruise. Yeah, and he he plays it so well. He's he's an action star. Tom Cruise is an action star. I mean, this is a long way away from Rain Man and Cocktail and hell even even um oh bloody a Top Gun. But it it. He is the character, and he's so good, and he's got that, he's got that charming, winning smile, which just wins, which can win me over most times, except in the Mummy, because that was awful. But yeah, this film's written well. Even the moments where you think, really, those moments are explained, and and you think, okay, that that makes perfect sense, which I appreciated that. You know, you're not just you're not just like you mentioned, you're not just taken for a, for an idiot. Yeah. I'd like the next film to be called Mission. It could be possible because um, this is <laughs> there will be the seventh film, but yeah, I. I, I mean, what, what, what more to say about this film? I had such a good time with it, more than I ever thought I would. And yeah, yeah he, he's to, he's to the next one. Yeah, and and again, uh, Henry Cavill seems like he gets a lot of hate. I think partly like people who love the traditional Christopher Reeve Superman, I think hated Man of Steel. I actually like Man of Steel. Um, I'm I'm one of the few supporters of that movie. Uh, I thought but, it was pretty good. Yeah, I, I had moments. Uh, I really like I I. Not a Superman fan normally, and I like Cavill as Superman. I, I like Cavill as an actor, and the the things I've seen him in outside of the DC movies, um, and I try to forget that Immortals movie because it wasn't very good. But, <laughs> um, like, but Man for Uncle, I thought he was really really strong in, and, um, you know that movie. I mean, it's Army Hammer, him and and Alicia Vikander. Like, holy cow! Well, Rich is well, isn't it? Yeah, it, I, that's right. Yeah. It is, and it's much better than his King Arthur movie. So, oh. you know, um, it's a film that I somehow just got completely overlooked, and uh, I think it, uh, Hugh Grant's in it too, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. It, I yeah. think when it when it came out, it was just released at the wrong time of year. I yeah. think it was released late on in the summer season, and it kind of in the what what do they call it, the dumping ground? Well, yeah. it really shouldn't have been there. Yeah, uh, I I mean, because uh, Army Hammer at that point hadn't done much. Now he's done a lot of like I mean, he's done. He's always been a really strong indie presence, but um, he's the few attempts he's had at mainstream stuff, he seems to have not done well with uh, Lone Ranger, and then this um, uh, Man from Uncle didn't do well. But I do think that's a movie. If you like the Mission Impossible movies, I definitely think it's worth giving it a go. It's a solid spy movie, and it's got some really cool set pieces in it. Not as cool as Mission Impossible Fallout, though. Definitely, um, if you were a fan of any of them, if you haven't seen it for some reason, get to your local theater and check it out. This is. Uh, the closest movie we have to release date because by the time this episode comes out uh, Mission Impossible will only have been out a couple of days um, yeah. so definitely get to the theater check this movie out hopefully Movie Pass will stop being crazy or uh, Regal Cinemas <laughs> and all the other big chains will offer their equivalent to the A-list so you can make a reason to see this film I, and I do recommend seeing it in the biggest screen with the best sound that you possibly can um, because man there are some moments in this movie where the sound definitely plays a factor. The skydiving sequence, the sound cuts out for a minute because of the the lightning strike. Oh man, that that scene is probably one of my favorite action scenes like ever. It's super short, but man, it's so crazy and it's so uh, interesting. And like you mentioned, the visual elements of this movie in that scene especially are gorgeous. Like that sunset yeah. they're they're skydiving through is brilliant. So yeah, big big fan. Um, I think Matt is that the last movie that you've seen on our list here. I was going to say yeah from from this side the that's all from me 
though I'm not going anywhere, mainly because f- uh, four of the five movies coming up haven't been released in the UK, and uh, there's no so there's no way I can I could have seen them, which is annoying because four of the five films I well the ones that haven't been released are the ones I really want to see. But before we hand over, all I will say is the casts for some of these films are out of this world. So over to JB for the uh, for the next load. Yeah, and I will be as quick as possible here. Um, I don't want to to drag these out too long, but um, the the big release that I saw was Hotel Transylvania Three: Summer Vacation. Um, it has the Adam Sandler cast, if you will, his his group of friends that he <laughs> likes to keep giving work. Um, Adam Sandler, Andy Samberg, Selena Gomez, Kevin James, Fran Drescher, Jim Gaffigan, Catherine Hahn. Those they make their first appearance in this uh, in this third movie. Uh, Keegan Michael Key, who showed up in the second film but replaced CeeLo Green, uh, it, character of the Mummy in the first film, um, which I didn't realize it was Keegan Michael Key in the second film until this one. But uh, David Spade, Molly Shannon, and Steve Buscemi. I don't know how Sandler has always roped Steve Buscemi into his movies. Like of all the <laughs> actors around him, he is clearly the one who has the biggest pedigree. But you know, um, man, he has done some crap roles in the Sandler films. I mean over and over again he clearly must just love adam because he does not need to do these movies but um i liked the first hotel transylvania a lot like way more than i ever expected to now uh i believe my daughter was eight when that movie came out and she's 14 now um we have seen all three of them in the theater uh we didn't i don't really remember the second one i know we saw it but it's gone like it is out of my brain so either i didn't like it or it was just super forgettable um, the third one's kind of forgettable too. It's it's fine. Um, there wasn't as many laughs as the first film. Uh, again, this actually kind of suffers from the Mamma Mia thing, where if the mother, if the father daughter characters would just be honest with each other for five seconds, most of the quote unquote drama would not be there, and that always drives me nuts. Um, it worked in the first film because the first film it made more sense to as to why he was with, withholding information it's not sensible here it in fact makes zero sense that he won't just talk to her at this point this is a good example of a sequel whose characters have not learned from the previous movies they kind of fall back into their old patterns um but there's some fun stuff uh andy samberg's character i always i'm i'm a big andy samberg fan um and it's definitely if you have kids young kids especially it's it's fun. It's definitely worth checking out. It's it's got a lot of silly humor. Uh, there's moments where you'll laugh, but nothing that's going to be super memorable. The first film managed to get some quotes that were like quotable moments. I don't think there's anything like that in this movie that you're going to walk around like reciting after you see it. So it's going to be fairly forgettable, but it's not bad in any shape or form. Um, that's Hotel Transylvania three. Uh, did you say that one's not out over there yet? The, that this one is out, but it's the one of the entire list I haven't been able to see so far I didn't mind the first film I thought yeah I, I quite enjoyed that the second film was alright it was a, it was pretty good um, but yeah I wasn't uh, overly keen to rush out and see Hotel Transylvania I will see it but um, mm-hmm. as for the next four these are the films I want to see but they're yeah. not out here which is frustrating it is to me too because I know that you are a, a film lover like myself and I mean that's how we've become friends and yep. I really want you to see these uh, because I'd love to talk to you about them um, because even here um, not a lot of my friends have seen these yet uh, they are out and all of them are 
have played somewhere close to me, um, except for eighth grade. Eighth grade is officially not out until the fourth here. Um, I got to see it uh, because of a critic screening. Well, actually, it was a it was a um, AMC's Stubbs screening. So like Stub members got like special invites to a special screening, but then there was twenty critics uh, seats available so i was able to go and i um i got to bring my wife and daughter with me which was really huge for eighth grade um eighth grade is directed by bo burnham who is a stand-up comedian who got super famous on youtube and uh he's he's pretty brilliant um i don't like every single one of his jokes and he's a music comic so he like he'll integrate songs into his stuff um he has some really good stuff out there though um but this is his directorial debut he wrote this film and so you're thinking a young comic probably in his mid-20s uh, he's going to do a movie about a mid-twenties guy, right? Well, no. He writes it about an eighth grader female. And he casts a, a first-time actress, Elsie Fisher, um, at, in the lead role and basically puts the entire movie on her shoulders. And she is fantastic. Um, I actually got to see eighth grade at South by Southwest and I was blown away then. Um, I've been waiting to show my wife and daughter and finally got them to see it. Um, I, they liked it. I think I love it more. Um, and partially because of Josh Hamilton's character who plays Elsie's father or, uh, Kayla's father in the movie. And there is some really funny stuff, but it's, it's comedic. It's stress inducing at times. It's so accurate a portrayal. Um, I don't know if my daughter sees how many similarities she shares with this character, but I'm sitting there like looking over at her. Like, do you, do you get this? And like, there's a scene where Kayla gets ready to go to the mall and she's wearing a choker necklace and she has a flannel tied around her waist. And I look over at my daughter who's wearing a choker necklace and has a flannel tied around her waist. I'm just like, it's you, you get this right. But, uh, I, I love the movie both times. It's, it's in my top 10 for the year right now. Um, I, I really, really want everyone to get to see this. Um, if it comes near you, I definitely recommend eighth grade. Uh, it will, it's tough. There's a few scenes that are tough to sit through. Um, but Burnham has a really good eye. There's some really strong, like cinematic elements in this movie. Uh, the way he reveals some of the jokes are just super spot on. I love his use of sound in this. Um, there's like a, a very eighties kind of John Hughes throwback where, uh, whenever she sees this one character, uh, like the character has his own theme song that kicks in and it's like real, like, like kind of dubstep EDM sounding, but it's, it's super funny. Um, I love the way it's shot. It, it's for a first-time filmmaker. Um, it's pretty outstanding. It's it's. I can't recommend it enough. Eighth grade. Um, I'll move on to another first-time filmmaker. Uh, Boots Riley um, had his film. Sorry to bother you. I got to go to a critic screening. It is actually playing now everywhere. Um, not everywhere because this movie wouldn't play everywhere. Uh, it's not a movie for everybody for sure but sorry to bother you stars lakeith stanfield the outstanding amazing cannot be spoken highly enough tessa thompson um jermaine fowler omari hardwick uh, danny glover stephen young who you might know as glenn from the walking dead and i mentioned him a little bit ago army hammer um this movie's nuts to, <laughs> to just put out there and that needs to be said um i do not want to spoil anything about this movie but it's nuts um, if you've seen the trailer for Sorry to Bother You, you see right away, it's a little crazy. It's super innovative. It's super out there. It has a lot to say. Um, I'm still working through some of what it's saying. I, I think uh, Lakeith Stanfield is a powerhouse in this movie. He's so 
naturalistic and the way he reacts to things is so genuine but he has this air of comedy about him that just works so so well uh tessa thompson is a chameleon man like you saw annihilation i did she's fantastic in annihilation um you saw thor ragnarok i certainly did she's valkyrie um completely different character than her character in annihilation right like leaps and bounds different and then i mentioned little woods that she is in with um lily james completely different very down-to-earth dramatic role um she's in creed which we have creed 2 coming out in a few yes. months she's the girlfriend to uh uh um i'm gonna forget creed's first name because it's not apollo it is oh uh, uh, it starts oh. with an a too uh, what can i do this is the second time this happened Adonis, yes. Adonis Creed's uh, girlfriend in the first movie, and it looks like she will be that role in the second movie. Um, she's just so good, and in this movie especially, she plays Detroit. Yes, that name is definitely uh, purposeful. Um, I don't know. This movie is so crazy. It's so innovative. It's like nothing else that you will see this year, and I unfortunately am not the first critic to say that. Um, but... If you are a film lover, if you like interesting stuff, if you like things that are um, going to make you think and maybe go places that you would never expect it to, you should see this movie. Honestly, even if you see this and hate it, you should just see it because there's not a lot of movies going to be made like this. And that's worth noting. Uh, it deserves to be seen, um, maybe not loved and maybe not appreciated by everyone who sees it, but those who do are really going to love and appreciate it. It's super great. Um, I loved it. I, I, I was still, I don't know if I agree with every choice that's made. I don't know if I understand everything that Boots Riley is trying to say, but my God, is it, is it innovative and super smart? Um, real quick, I guess if you're not familiar, Lucky Stanfield's character is, uh, Cassius. Um, he gets a job as a telemarketer and is given advice by Danny Glover's character that if he's going to be successful, he needs to use his white voice, which is important because they explain what white voice is and is not just some stereotypical you got to be like a white guy it's more about the air in which you present yourself it's this kind of um carefree nature that you have no worries no concerns nothing at all to be ever uh concerned with that's what he means when he says white voice and so like he stanfield's character starts to have a white voice that is voiced by david cross um and man the way they do it like the phone call sequences which could be really boring right you could have a phone call where we're cutting back and forth between uh the one person's and then the other or we could just be on one side of the conversation no no our filmmaker decides to drop us in to the room where the other person is seeing whatever they're doing while they're doing it and uh it what makes it even more interesting is lakeith stanfield seems to be aware of the fact that he's in this other room even though he's really not um, it's it's just super surreal. It's very experimental. Awesome movie. Can't can't stress it enough. Um, well, I, I, on those two films, just quickly, Eighth Grade, I'm looking forward to simply because of the praise that you've effused upon it. Because I know how much you've enjoyed this film for mm. obviously lots of different reasons. So I'm really looking forward to that. And also Molly Ringwald loves it, so that's a big plus for me. Oh, and sorry sorry to bother you. I've heard on your point now. I've heard conflicting stories. Yeah, some people think it's one of the you know more more out there but better films of the year others don't like it so much but yeah. i like a film when it's divisive because that is that is the essence of film for me where i could i might go and see it and think it's awful yeah. whereas obviously you enjoyed it but you know as long as i have a constructive reason for that 
but I'm so looking forward to seeing that. I'm also anything anything which can scrub Lakeith Stanford's performance in Death Note out of my mind. Please give me that. But these two films, I'm absolutely looking forward to seeing. As soon as I see them, I'll get on the blower and speak to you about them. Yeah. But the next film I want to see simply because of the just the emotional resonance which people seem to hold for it. Dude, uh, this next film I've seen three times. It's uh, <laughs> Won't You Be My Neighbor. Um, I also saw this at South by Southwest, but I uh, saw it twice this month. Um, I went early in July. My daughter and I went uh, We went to our local art house theater, The Enzian. Support The Enzian. I highly recommend if you are uh, in the Orlando area, even just visiting, that you check out The Enzian. Um, they are, I believe, rated one of the best independent theaters in the country. And... Um, I took my daughter there for her first time to that theater to see Won't You Be My Neighbor, which is also her first, nope, it's her second uh, big screen documentary, which makes me very proud as a parent that I can say my daughter has seen two documentaries in the theater. <laughs> um, but my daughter also cried uh, at this movie. Now, she did not grow mm -hmm. up with Mr. Rogers. Um, she does not cry a lot. And I would. she's not a tomboy, but she definitely has this uh, kind of tough girl persona about her. And she does not cry um, frequently, and especially at movies. Um, she cried at the first screening. Now, we then took my wife and her, her friend um, with us to see it a second time for my daughter, a third time for me, at our local theater um, that had it, uh, another independent art house type theater called the Polk Theater in Lakeland to represent that too. Um, and my wife cried so much she got a migraine afterwards wow. and um i cried more the third time i've cried each time i've seen it uh the third time i cried so much and then i was listening to a podcast today um i think it was the i think it was film spotting and they mentioned uh won't you be my neighbor and just a scene they mentioned made me start to tear up again i am wow such a mr rogers Powerful. fanboy right now dude i i I grew up with him. I watched him on TV. Um, I remember a lot of the shows, and I grew up in the 80s, so I had the later Rogers show, but um, it, what he represents and the apparent truthfulness of what he represented and the passion that he has for what he did, I think are the three factors that make this such an emotional um, journey. It's fun, too. Don't get, You're not just crying the whole time. Um, you might have tears in your eyes. There are moments that will shatter you, um, but there it's like happy shatter. You know what I mean? Like like you're so overjoyed that this kind of uh, good person ever existed that you're moved to tears. Like that's ultimately the the way I would say it. It's not inherently sad. There are a couple of moments that are sad, uh, but it's more you're so overwhelmed by his goodness that the only way to uh let that joy you have you're gonna pop if you don't cry like you have to get it out and i i am inspired um by this documentary uh, some people are saying this is the best documentary ever and things like that. i don't think that's fair i think it's it, it does exactly what it wants to do um i think the subject matter lends itself to the emotions and uh the filmmaker whose name i don't have in front of me i'm gonna get momentarily here um he does a good job of giving it to you. I don't necessarily... Uh, Morgan Neville. I don't necessarily think this is the best documentary ever. Um, it doesn't... It, it's one-sided for sure. 
Um, and maybe there's only one side to it. Like there is always, there's been rumors and legends about Mr. Rogers having this dark past and things like that. They address that here. It's, it's kind of thrown away as those were all just nonsense rumors. Um, but I do think it's, it's a very well executed documentary. I, I am in no way trying to take anything away from it. Um, it definitely might be the most, um, emotionally attached movie I will ever have. And I do plan on teaching this film for the rest of my life, as long as I'm teaching film. So, um, I, I can't wait to see this documentary. I, I, I've said it, you've heard me say it countless times, but we didn't have Mr. Rogers over here, but I've seen Mr. Rogers, the show, and I'm aware of obviously the earnestness and just the kind of, the, the love and um, mm-hmm. attachment that the United States has for this man, and just obviously just the just hearing what you said then and other reviews and um, uh, reactions from seeing it. Of course, you're going to want to see it, but also if it, I just want like watching good documentaries about good people. So I'm looking forward to this. Hopefully, I bawl my eyes out because <laughs> I don't think I've ever bawled my eyes out at a film before. There's been uh, not because I'm a hard hardened soul in fact I'm actually a big softy but there's, there's been a few like big fish almost um, and, a, and a few but I don't know I'm, I'm waiting for one that makes me just sit there and just like it's, and I have to fall asleep in a puddle of my own tears but hopefully I'm looking forward to seeing this, this documentary on many reasons and obviously after the review and summary you've just given it <laughs> even more so yeah I, I'm I give a, you know, we do the review thing. We both write them. Um, I, a lot of people appear to read them. Um, I don't always get to hear back from people. Yes. Um, and a, a few close friends who, it's funny because the people who I know personally that know I do this, don't, they seem to disregard my opinions more often than not. I don't know, like, how to take that, I guess. But um, I've had several people who uh, have taken my opinion on this film because they don't usually do documentaries, things like that, you know. And everyone that has taken my advice to see it has raved about it and have everyone I know except for my daughter's friend has cried at this movie. Um, my daughter's friend is the only one who has not cried that I am that I know for like personally. Um, and she she did a good job of articulating like she she sees that he's a good guy, but it wasn't enough to, to make her want to cry, which might be maybe she's not as cynical as I am. And so that's a good thing. Right. Like I'm, I, I'm coming at this movie with this everybody sucks kind of attitude we are world weary now yes and uh so maybe she's been fortunate enough to not be there yet but um this is definitely one of my favorite films of the year although the next film um i am gonna rave about too and i'm sorry matt that i have to talk so much (laughs) Um, i I really want to see this film because it's got such a good premise and it's got a great cast kesey clemens is in it but fire away did um brett haley is the director of hearts beat loud uh which i got to see first back in um in april at the florida film festival and brett haley was there actually and gave a q a and he was super awesome to um uh, just talking to the crowd i thought he was like just a really really passionate person but um this came to our the polk theater as well uh the week before um won't you be my neighbor came and my, i i was like i really wanted my daughter to see this um and i th- she loved it too uh the did you see brett haley's film the hero with sam elliott from last year yes so i that movie 
surprised me. Um, I didn't expect to really get into it as much as I did because it is. I, I also I picked a Sunday morning to watch it, and I watched it on my computer for some reason, and I had headphones, and it was just it's such a chill movie. Um, that it just it felt like the perfect Sunday morning movie to me. I don't know. Um, I really like the hero a lot. So uh, that was part of the reason I wanted to see this. The other main kicker for me was Nick Offerman was the lead, um, who I am a huge fan of. But it also has Kiersey Clemens, who if you saw the uh, ill-fated Flatliners remake, yeah. she was in that. But don't hold that against her. She's fantastic in this movie. Um, Sasha Lane, who is in the Miseducation of Cameron Post that I got to see at Tribeca, which is coming out in she August. So good in American Honey, and then American Honey, where her, her breakthrough performance. Um, we also get Tony Collette in this movie. Uh, very different film from Hereditary. Um, Blythe uh, Danner and Ted Danson uh, play supporting roles, and they're all great. Ted Danson. Um, so good in this movie he is he cracks me up every time this movie has drama there is drama in it and it has some sad things i i I won't lie i cried real real heavy the second time seeing this during one specific moment um and i was uh just kind of like surprised at how emotionally moved i was um but this movie deals with music and it needs to be noted I'm a musician, or at least I was for most of my, uh, from like age 13 till I was like 31 or so. I played in bands. I, music was my life. It was my passion, um, just besides movies. And uh, the difference was I thought I could, I thought I could be a professional musician. I don't know why I thought that, but that was my dream. And um, this movie deals with that, uh, uh, both music and also the idea of it being a dream. This pursuit. Um, it deals with a father and daughter, uh, the father, Nick Offerman and his daughter, um, Clemens and her going off to college. So she's like 17, about to be 18 or just turned 18. Um, he is also, while he's dealing with that, he's also, uh, transitioning careers. And so there's this whole idea of change that's kind of in the film. It, it's, it's brilliant because while he's going through this, he kind of, uh, he pushes her to, to, be in a band with him and she doesn't want to be in a band but they she they jam together like they both are talented with music and um it's every every aspect of this movie is joyous um it's fun it's it's funny it's heartfelt um you know nick offerman gives a terrific performance and for my money there's nothing that makes me uh giggle more than any time nick offerman is happy in anything like <laughs> if, if you've seen parks and recreation the best example of it would be when he sees little sebastian for the first time and can't contain the joy like it is he's giggling and he's smiling and if you know his normal demeanor it is completely counter to that and that happens a few times in this movie not as silly as he gets with little sebastian but where he's so hyped up and he's so joyous and you just you just buy into it because it emanates out of the screen and in, infects your soul in the best way possible. Um, this movie is needed right now in a world where we're full of cynicism, we're full of down stuff, and there's so much negativity. Hearts Beat Loud is is positive in so many areas. It's progressive in a lot of ways, and and not in a beat you over the head with it. It's a real subtle progressiveness where it's just no, this is just how we are now. Get over it and move on. And. Um, Man, it's it's brilliant. Every performance is great. Uh, it is in my top five for the year. I, I love this movie. I can't wait to own it. Um, 
it's one that I easily see rewatching over and over again. It's, uh, it's great. Um, I can't wait till you get to see it, Matt. Uh, this Hearts Beat Loud comes out next week in the United Kingdom. So oh, that's great! Exciting. I think the third of August. I want to say. So I think that's Wednesday. I think. As for the other three, as far as I'm aware, as far as I can see, there's been there there are no release dates for any of them. I can understand why something like "Won't You Be My Neighbor" wouldn't get a wide release in the United Kingdom, mm. but as for "Sorry to Bother You" in eighth grade, I'm surprised. I mean, I'm sure they'll be playing at probably some of the smaller indie films in uh, cinemas in London, but. Hearts Beat Loud is the only one that's getting a major theatrical release that I've called to IMDb, but I like these kind of films, these um, musical films. As a film that came out last year, Band-Aid, I think it was called. I really had a good time with that oh, film as well. I need to watch that one, actually. That's been on my radar, and I keep forgetting about it, and so I, I haven't gone to it yet, but I definitely want to see that one. That's a, I enjoyed that an awful lot, but I like those kind of indie music-type films that mm-hmm. have a purpose to them and have a soul. Uh, or have a heart, if you will. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to this, and yeah, it comes out next week. So once I see it, I will um, I will let you know what I think about that. Definitely. Definitely, and I, you know, Tony Collette's become one of my favorite actresses. I mean, before Hereditary, even, but Hereditary only cemented it. Um, she's just always so charming and so um subtle, and and I don't know, she's just naturalistic, and I really like that. Uh, if you, the way way back she's so good as uh, the mom in that movie and uh, she's Anton Yelchin's mom in Fright Night the remake yeah. um, she's just I and uh, obviously um, Little Miss Sunshine big movie for her but um, well big independent movie for her um, I, I'm a I'm a fan and she she doesn't she gets a lot to do here really but it's it's definitely Nick Offerman and, and Clemens movie um, but those supporting characters add so much to the film and they do a terrific job doing it so uh, yeah, I can't stress enough. If Hearts Beat Loud is coming near you, um, please go see it. Support this movie. It deserves to be seen. Uh, I, I also think Nick Offerman is an underappreciated actor. Everything yes. I've seen him in, I, I love him. Um, he's the dad in uh, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, uh, The Kings of Summer. He's also the dad there, and I, I really I think that movie deserves to be seen. I think it is overlooked. Um, really solid coming-of-age story. Um I forget the director, but he just he he directed uh, Kong Skull Island. Um, um, it's gone from my head, but yeah, I normally know it. But he, uh, Jordan Voight Roberts. Voight? That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got the Voight bit right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Kings of Summer uh, was a solid movie with Offerman in it, and Offerman's in the hero. Uh, he's the supporting character yes, in that. Um, and man, if you skip the hero too, I I stress that check that movie out. We did go a little long here, but. Uh, those independent films deserve to be talked about, and they are getting some releases. So, like, check your local listings. Um, one that I didn't get to see this month yet, but it is playing close to me, is Blind Spotting, which I saw at uh, South by Southwest. It's currently you my, that one, didn't you? it's my favorite movie of the year <laughs> right now. Um, I'm planning on going to see it on Sunday with my uh, editor buddy David, and hopefully my daughter because it is, oh god, it is such a interesting and funny and also very poignant film man it, it says some stuff um uh i i'm i loved it uh it's playing again so it's out there check your local listing try to see some of these movies that you maybe wouldn't otherwise see and that you're definitely not seeing you know every time you look at a tv you, you might see a trailer once in a while for these movies but most likely you're not and if you're listening to this podcast you clearly like movies go check some of yeah. these indie ones out um 
and see. whisper it quietly, but sometimes these indie films are a lot better than the mainstream ones that come out. Uh, for sure, the five yeah. I just listed um, are better than most of the uh, other movies that we saw um, oh. this month. I can't wait to say the thing is usually I get worried or slash nervous when I hear somebody speak with so much praise about a film and I think god I'm going to go in with that expectation but on the flip side of that just from what I've heard about the films and the synopsis I've sold on them anyway so just to hear a positive review only reinforces that I try not to watch trailers too much anyway because I do like to go in you know as blind or as raw to the story as possible so I was looking. I, I know won't be my neighbor. Probably won't get a wide release. But when it's out on digital, I grab that. But as for the other ones, I'm especially blind spotting because of your uh, praise for that. I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, I mean, it's a packed month. I'm going to put you on the spot now. We've mentioned our worst film. I think we said was the Equalizer for the both of us. Yeah. My the best film of of this monster episode was Mission Impossible Fallout for me. Now putting you on the spot. What would you pick as your number one of the month? I feel like I want to cheat. If I were going to go mainstream mm-hmm. only, I'd say Mission Impossible. But if I'm picking from everything I've seen, mm-hmm. uh, for me, and it is hard. I'm I'm kind of I'm still I'm flipping coins in my head here, um, and they keep landing on their side. So uh, I think I'm going to go with Won't You Be My Neighbor. Um, I think it's uh, it's such a compelling story. Um, that it's hard to not say it's the best. It's it's told so well, and part of it, I mean, it's it kind of tells itself, but um, it's so loving and affectionate, and it just works. Um, Heartbeat Loud would probably be the other though. I I do think that will be one of my favorite movies, possibly of all time, like in my top fifty. Wow. Um, it it just it does so much for me, and again, it hits those emotional cores. Um in very very natural ways and it's got some really catchy music uh i know there's a, a vinyl press of the soundtrack with just the the three songs that they write in the movie um cool. that's supposed to be like limited edition so like that's something really cool if you're a collector of vinyl or something but um i either one of those would definitely be up there and i don't in no way do i mean to discredit sorry to bother you or eighth grade i both think those are great um those other two just really speak to me um and eighth grade's right there too though like it does speak to me because the i connect with the father and also being a teacher um there's some stuff at the school uh that really really hits home um including i don't see i don't want to say but there's a there's a really crazy moment scene at one of the schools that uh american teachers especially will connect with um so yeah uh i'm gonna go i'm gonna go won't you be my neighbor for my best of the month I did see it oh, twice. I know that was tough. Yeah. I'm sorry to both you. Eighth grade, hearts beat loud, blind spotting by the sounds of it, and might be my neighbor. We're all fighting for number one, but by, by judging by your reviews for all of that, I think it's fair to say everybody who's listening, whether you're in the United States, England, Australia, France, wherever, check out these films if they come anywhere near you. I haven't seen those indie films yet. I'm very much looking forward to, and as soon as I get a chance to, I will do. So, and as John has said. As soon as you get a chance, go and check it out. Especially if you have those movie pass or unlimited cards where you're not necessarily paying for it. Use it yeah. for what it's for. Variety of films. But, I mean, that was a bumper episode. And that is that for the July 2018 episode of the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. And it's been a big one. So, it's been a pleasure. And it's been great fun as always, John. So, 
I guess yep. the first thing is, where can the listeners in the world find you online? Uh, you can find me on all social media, at Burke Reviews, and you can find my reviews at BurkeReviews.com. Check what them out as well. You can find me at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. The movie reviews are going up there now. There's been an absolute backlog, but they're going up there. Um, there's movie moments, blogs, podcasts, all on there. So thank you for listening. Uh, if you like what you hear, share it with the world. Feel free to hit us up and talk some film, or leave a comment or a rating on iTunes for the show because positive vibes will only spread, make a positive show. So please yep. do. So thank you once again from me. It's Sia. And from John? Keep watching movies. Awesome.